This is Naoki Yoshida. This is Fern Hall. And you are listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Aetherite Radio, Gamer Escape's Final Fantasy XIV podcast on Fusion X. Joining me today, we've got Aldino, we've got Rook, and uh, we have a placeholder image about our topic for Zenidra, because she's not here. So I... I'm like, how do we do a three cam setup? There, I mean, it's just it's it works yeah. so nicely with all of us here. Um, yeah, I know. Well, the the only recourse is that Zen can never leave again. Obviously, yeah, that's true. Oh, Ever uh, again. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, this is this is the one. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. Oh crap! Never again. So Oops, all right. Well, think, think very carefully, Aldino. Hmm. You get one. All right. It's now. Bye. No! no! Wow, all right. I'm kidding. I want to talk about this stuff. There's, there's a, I, have a, I still have a Dammy placeholder image, I think, for most yeah, people. Yeah, I'll just throw that. The, the pink Dammy. Uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, you're very confused right now, and that's okay. Um, so today, uh, we're going to talk about the Tales from the Twilight short stories that have been uh, released over the last few weeks here. But first, we got some news. Um, first, uh, TGS is coming up here pretty quick. Um the thing that I think everybody is looking forward to, because it's going to also be in English, um, is the appeal and potential of RPG. Um, and that's going to be with Hironobu Sakaguchi and Naoki Yoshida. Um, and that is going to take place on Friday, October 1st at 5 p.m. Pacific. So actually at a time where most of us will be awake, which is super awesome. I can't wait to see this. No, and I, I think they said it's going to be translated. It's translated yep. live, right, mm-hmm. to English? Yep. Oh, I'm yep. so happy. Interpretation. I- I think this could be incredible because like not only do we know that Yoshida-san is working on a single player RPG right now with the next Final Fantasy, but also the fact that 14 itself has stood out in the genre as being a game that is based around creating an RPG experience, something that is a quality narrative experience. Hearing them both talk about how they build these games, be it in like a single player or an MMO format and what it means to create a role playing game. I'm just so very ready. Right. Yeah. I, I want be, to know all of your secrets. Any any time Yoshida gives a, a you know any kind of talk about RPG is always super interesting. Like, you know, I, I and I know we've mentioned this a lot, but just that that initial uh, GDC talk where he's talking about a realm mm-hmm. 1.0 and he's talking about like yeah, so those flower pots, those, <laughs> that polygon count, huh? Oh um, my goodness! It's just you, you learn so many interesting uh, little things. I mean, you know, and then there's also the uh, what was it uh, at the uh, Tokyo Fan Fest. Um, this not this last one, but the one for Shadowbringers, where they talked about uh, the Crystarium. They talked about that tech demo, right? The Rapture tech demo, and they were talking about like all oh, the light bulbs have their own like filaments and all this like crazy. You're just like, what? People are nuts. Um, so yeah, that'll be super awesome. Um, so make sure to check that out uh, again. Friday, October first, five p.m. Pacific um, on Square Enix's uh, TGS broadcast. That's um, this upcoming Friday. It's so. yeah, it's coming up quick. Yeah. Um, if anyone out there is a mime and you haven't felt like you've been able to properly express yourself in game, now you can for $7. The new pantomime emote is now up on the Mog Station. Um, so if that's something that you want, go get it. $7 uh, is pretty low if you're in that situation. Just going to say, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like I have no mouth, but I'm a scream. You know, if that's how it feels to you, it's on. It's on the Mog Station. There you go. 
That I've is... seen some people do some fun stuff like phasing into walls and then falling back out. Have you seen some of those gifts? I have not. <laughs> no. I have oh, seen it's some, so and it's fun. You can do all sorts of things with the emote. It did surprise me that they released a pantomime emote, and then I had this moment where I went, wait a minute, are they working on mime as the next limited job behind <laughs> the scenes? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, could you imagine, like, everyone's like, Beastmaster, when? Here's mime! What the f- <laughs> The only way I want to see mime implemented is if you have one button, just one. You have a target, and as they press their buttons, your one button changes to the last thing that they did. That's it. You have one button. I just that's I, all. I, I, I would really love want to see there it. to be like a comedic reveal trailer now. That's like uh-huh. like somebody with an axe, and then there's like some kind of animal that like you would think would like be typically associated with like a Beastmaster class, mm-hmm. and then like it just somehow transitions to like a balloon animal from a clown into a mime, and it's just like mime. Like, <laughs> Surprise! My brain works weird. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. As a reminder here, the Final Fantasy 15 collab runs until October 18th. If you have not gotten your car yet, you should probably go get your car. Have, get that throw, car. Keep us on in the background. Log in. Yeah. Go get your MGP. Get your car. Um, you don't want to pass that up for Cedar Mountain right. for for only a couple hundred. Uh, mgp so when was the last time it was active i know i know we probably don't know exactly but it was Um, at least two years ago right yeah it has to have been more than two years i think right three i want to say three yeah so if you don't get it in that range yeah go get it because i think at the well i mean at this point it i think after this it'll probably hit mug station um at some point in the future like previous events have so um but yeah if you don't want to pay 20 to 30 bucks for the car pay for it with mgp go get it there you go um all right so i know we've already had a couple people in chat mention this uh the media tour is coming up for Endwalker. a lot of people were talking about it uh this past week um we will be there all Mm -hmm. all of us will be playing the game uh that's actually why, why zen's not on the show today she's not part of the cool club um, oh, kidding. No, kidding. no, don't you, you even I'm joke about kidding. that. Don't you even joke. Zen is the cool we club. <laughs> we are just the dweebs that don't get to hang out with Zen today. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, um, we there, obviously there's some things that we can't say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> lots of, of NDA and embargo stuff. But what we can tell you um is that uh we will be doing this remotely it is not an in-person event um the japanese media tour has been going on um has been in person which was a little surprising um Mm -hmm. but um so be it um what else we can tell you is that you can expect coverage from the media tour on october 13th and that's it that's all we're gonna say until october 13th that's all that's all we can say So, uh, please look forward to it. I mean, you'll be able to hear my internal screeching about Sumner from, you know, probably about now until then. So if you just, if you just close your eyes and and listen, Mm -hmm. you can just, you'll hear it. That's what it sounds like. I hope that wasn't too loud. (laughs) That was actually, that was actually like a really good, like volume level. Oh, good. Thank you. That's good. I'm so I'm so <laughs> excited. I mean, I think we all are so excited about the media tour. It's right. You know, for anybody who doesn't know, because I've actually had a couple people ask or new people ask, and you probably got the impression of what it is from this, but 
it is, like Fusion was saying, a sneak peek into things that they want to show us about the new expansion. So, um, you know, there will be more details, more information that media outlets and a select group of content creators uh, are able to share with that to give you first looks at some of the, mm. you know, different components that they wanted to feature and showcase leading into the expansion ahead of time so that you can get some more information, some more details, and get even more hyped if that's possible. Because yeah. I think we've all just been living in a constant <laughs> state of never-ending hype at this point, so... Yeah. Um, there's also, I actually earlier this week too, because there was a lot of um, questions going around with, with the game getting as popular as it has, a lot of people are like, what's a media tour? Uh, I actually did do a post about this, um, throwing yeah. a few pictures from previous media tours. So if you want to learn a little bit more um, about um, what we've experienced at the previous media tours, um, what kind of coverage we provided, uh, you can do that. Link is in the chat. So uh, make sure to go check that out. It's also on the front page if you're listening to this uh, after the fact. So uh, with that, that is it for news. So we're going to go ahead here and jump into uh, our topic for this episode, which is going to be talking about the tales from the Twilight short stories. Um, we get these every so often. Giving us a little bit of, awesome. uh, giving us a little bit of background. Um, things, things we knew, things we didn't know. Um, some interesting this this first one in particular was was really interesting to me mm -hmm. um so let's just go ahead we'll jump into this first one here uh which is the burden of duty um so i we'll, we'll see how we do i don't know that mm -hmm. i want to just like be here and monotonely like read each one read it yeah um i don't want to put people to sleep but <laughs> <laughs> this one is i'll about, wake them up with my noise yeah <laughs> we'll just be talking all of a sudden <laughs> exactly um, yeah, so this one is talking about um, Yugiri, and it talks about how Lord Hien got his scars, um, which is like so cool. It's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, what what kind of stories could we tell? How did Hien get his scars? Oh yeah, we could we could write a a, a small story about getting scars. Sure, yeah. I want to know everything. Yeah, and this makes so much sense not only because of the you know the actual scars on his face, which is kind mm -hmm. of how they like set this all up and contextualize it. But also in just how Yugiri and Hien met, which was always this thing that I felt was this kind of hole between those characters. You know what I mean? Like, Stormblood was a difficult expansion to handle narratively for so many reasons, but largely because I think they split those two zones. Mm -hmm. So the characters and the sort of worlds of either got half the expansion time to really explore. And so we have some characters that we know. I mean, we had even met Yugiri before going into Stormblood. Right. But exactly what gave her this bond with Hien, why the two of them are so inseparable, why she would lay her life down for him and be in his service. You know, I love it because it's it's just a great way not only to touch on their relationship and fill that in, but also to take more of a look at, I think, the effects of the Garlean Empire on mm -hmm. Doma and all these other like contextual things that just surround this little tale. Right. Yeah. I think you know, one of the... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that these stories are so great for the world building that it really gives you behind the scenes of like, okay, well, now we can see a story based around the zones we were in with some of the familiar enemies. Like, I'm not going to go into that. We will. But it's just so nice to flush out the world. And, you know, nobody has to read these. But if you do, just have there's, there's more a little, texture. There's something you know extra I mean? for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, 
what happens in the story is that Yugiri and some of her, her buddies from Suino Sato are like, hey, we shouldn't go up to the surface, but rules are meant to be broken. So they go up to the surface and they see, you know, basically the Imperial rule Doma and they're like, oh, this isn't, this is bad. And they're like, let's, let's, let's leave. Let's not be here. Um, yeah, tis a silly place. Tis a- <laughs> let's, let's leave. This place is really goofy, you guys. <laughs> There's like a whole bunch of weird, silly dead people. Yeah. And things are on fire. Hilarious. Don't like this. We can't even have fire underwater. How does this work? <laughs> I mean, that's a good question, right? If you have a fire, in yeah. like, so, you know, so, does it just like, yeah, suck they have up the, the oxygen? Like, how does this... Magic. Yes. Dear Oda-san. It's magic. <laughs> how, how fire work underwater dome oxygen? It's Thanks. fire aether. Yeah, there not, we go. It defies science. They just, they just throw a bunch of fire crystals in a stack, and they just, it's like just having like a big thing of like hand warmers. You just kind of. Yeah, I was, was going to say exactly the same thing. Hand warmers, just a bunch of hand warmers. There you this go. is interesting, though, because I believe, and though I don't have this specifically in front of me, but you can both, if you remember, or if chat, or if anybody remembers, you can correct me at some point in some comment form. Um, I believe that if you decide to leave Sui no Sato, you are, like, exiled, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that, like, as kids, I mean, yeah, they're, like, risking it. They're going up to the surface, but there's a chance that for their own silliness, they could never be allowed back home again. And, uh, you know, their curiosity leads them, I think, to to risk it. Yeah. Only to find that things are much, much, much worse uh, than mm, they ever imagined. Right. I, I, wonder, <laughs> I, I, I wonder, like, if, if Suino Sato, like, obviously we haven't heard of it, but, like, I wonder if they have, like, uh, oh, what is it called? The, the thing that the Amish have. Oh, um, uh, Rum Springer? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah like a pilgrimage? Yeah, where it's so, like, yeah, you know I don't what? know. Go ahead. Go, or, go up to the surface for a little bit, and then we'll let yeah. you decide that this is the better place to be. <laughs> or if you're a big nerd like me, or people don't know what that is, um, think about the Corian pilgrimage in Mass Effect. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, That's uh, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they do. Yeah. But the only reason being that I don't think we really hear tell of it ever. I mean, I guess you could probably, you could probably headcanon something, but as far as we know, I can't think of a single NPC I've talked to or encountered above the surface that was from Suino Sato and said anything about being on a pilgrimage, except Mm -hmm. for maybe Yugiri who mentions that she's not allowed back in Suino Sato. Right. Yeah. So I feel like they are an incredibly isolationist society. Mm -hmm. But if somebody has more information or we find more resources down the road, I mean, there's always room for that. But yeah. Um, so this this part is interesting. There's actually a tiny discrepancy that I found between mm. this story and the encyclopedia. Uh, but technically, it's not incorrect because of the way that mm-hmm. the encyclopedia works. Right. The idea of the encyclopedia is that this is what scholars of Eorzea believe to be right this is how they heard things happen Mm -hmm. this is what they wrote down so this short story uh says that um as they were all running back to suino sato yugiri fell behind and and got lost the encyclopedia says that she boldly ventured inland as the other Mm -hmm. children were afraid and ran away small difference in interpretation yeah (laughs) yeah 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 i guess it would well, it's interesting here because technically this story is written from Yugiri's perspective, right? Like she seems to be the one prefacing the recounting. Yeah. 
So you would think that her explanation would be the accurate one between these two and maybe her reputation as yep. this like fearless protector and shadow to Hien has kind of built this up around her to where people would think, you know, oh, she's so bold. Mm -hmm. She just went in land. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, you have this, this scholar in like the Domain Enclave. So how did you meet Hien? I boldly ventured inward. And <laughs> you know, I really, it, it gives you that kind of, did the scholar make it up or did she say it that way? And I really believe that the mm. scholar would make that up. I believe that she would tell the story. Well, at, at this point, right? She's like a hero yeah. of Doma. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you right? don't be like, oh, yeah, no, she was a total scaredy pants. Yeah. She she just she got lost. She had no idea what she was doing. And then I she think met all she got again. wandering. Well, she got wandering minstreled, you know? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> is that a verb? I mean, now? both. Both could technically be true, right? Like, if she just plowed, like, in, in a certain direction, she just went off and then got lost, it could it could be the truth. Although yeah. I do feel bad because these poor children are really the ones who get shade thrown right. on them. Like, whether or not they were so afraid that they just went cowering back to the water or, <laughs> or she just got separated from them. Yeah. Um, so, after she gets lost and or bravely ventured Zinland... Um, she finds uh, Shun in uh, a bamboo grove, training with a wooden stick, as children do with their, their sword training. It's always a wooden stick. It's never a a metal stick or mm -hmm. I don't know what Otherwise else. Otherwise known as a sword. Yeah. Well, it's, of course it's a I, wooden look. stick. <laughs> yeah. if you have, okay, as somebody who has handled blades. It could be like a metal pole or something. You <laughs> yeah, it could no, be. No, it I know. cannot be because you if you are an irresponsible child, the amount of damage you can do even with a blunt metal object is astounding. Like, <laughs> the amount of safety things. True. Like, when I was studying stage combat, the amount of safety things you have to do, even with dull, blunt steel, yeah. like... Where, you know, you never keep the point up. Anytime you're in resting position, you rest it on the top of your shoe. There's all these, like, little things mm -hmm. that you do, right? So training swords oftentimes are made of something like wood or straw or, you know, bamboo or, mm -hmm. you know, different things that, again, are lighter so that you can build up arm strength. And that when you're doing, like, repetitive drills, you're not, like, exhausting yourself uh, especially right. as a child. And two, so that if some dumb child swings around and whacks somebody, they're not going to, like, <laughs> accidentally poke their eye out <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's a, it's it's definitely it's definitely a thing. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, Shun is Hien. Yes, it's yeah. just that he has a like he had a name growing up that was, I believe, his uh, his lineage, his royal lineage, yeah. right? So he would be his like actual given um, like name of rule, I guess, mm -hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. But you've heard it here first from Rook, Shun, dumb child. Confirmed, right then. That's what it is. That's no, why it's a wooden stick. So, so jumping ahead. trains with a wooden stick. It doesn't matter how dumb you are. So, so, right. so jumping ahead, Yugiri didn't train with a wooden stick, and that's how he and got his scars. The end. Nice oh, story. All right. right. Moving on. <laughs> it's canon now. No. Um, <laughs> so, um, after after Yugiri encounters, uh, you know, he and training, they become friends. They start training together. Um, they play uh, a game called Ishikiri, which is like a version of Hopscotch. Um, and there was this really interesting um, part in the story where um, just kind of like the way that he and reacted to this and stuff, the idea that like th they didn't know what fun was. <laughs> like they right. didn't know how to have fun because of the Imperial occupation. Um, and Guri's like, I didn't realize like how much of the stuff we were taking for granted. 
Mm-hmm. It is such a good, I loved that little bit because mm-hmm. again, when we think on Stormblood, right? That expansion dealt with such heavy, heavy, heavy themes. And while we see the devastation that Garlemald has wrought, right? We don't maybe get as much time as I maybe even would have liked in that expansion to really actually see the way that war and invasion affects a people and a culture. And the hints are there. Like, the hints are throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm, and in the yeah. end, we got even more with these, you know, characters like Tsukuyomi and all this stuff where I think you really get into it. But this idea that your actual fundamental understanding of just everyday life is so different because kids, you know, they either don't have the actual space to play because, mm-hmm. you know, you're on lockdown or the cities, half the cities have been burned to the ground. Right. Or like, you know, you're fleeing and you're trying to, you know, refugees trying to find a place, trying to find food. But there's all these other concerns. Um, in the case of Hien, I mean, obviously he is probably in the most privileged place within mm-hmm. his country, at least at this point. But the pressures of, you know, the, I would assume, court and everything that's been happening and this last bastion and, you know, this responsibility that's bearing down on him, this idea that even children, you know, can't play these games. And then you have this, like, extremely isolationist society where they are completely ignoring the things Mm -hmm. that are happening, which is also not good. But the fact that they, because of it, have been able to preserve some sense of life away from it is, it's, it's just like such a nice little detail, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just such a, yeah. it communicates so much with one stroke. Um, <clears throat> we get a little bit of a peek at uh, Hien talking to his dad um, about like, mm. we need to help our people and all this stuff. And his dad's like, no, we really, we really shouldn't right now. We just, you know. Yeah. So, it's a bad time right now. And of course, you know, you have the, 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 the child and the father. The child clearly knows better, right? Because <laughs> that's just that's just how things go. And so uh, Hien, wanting to do something, um, goes to the Swallow's Compass so that he can make an ally out of uh, Kitian Desheng, the Monkey King. He's like, yeah. I know what will save us, the yeah. Monkey King. I did want to uh, take a second because uh-huh. I, I do really love the line that his father says to him. You know, Hien, like, as a young, rash man, which I think when we meet him later in the story, we see him as somebody who has tried to take rash action, right? He talks about the other uprisings he tried to stage and how he ended up having to flee to the steppe, and he's broken, in a sense, because I think he has learned what his father meant. The answer Mm -hmm. to this statement that his father has, where his father says, you know, not what you ask of me, my son, what you ask of Doma. And this Mm -hmm. idea that, like... You know, he's so frustrated because his father is, he's saying, like a puppet emperor. His father's only ruling because Garlemald is allowing it, and that's a disgrace to him. But his father is seeing and feeling the weight of the lives of those who would be lost, you know? Do we bend the knee and save the everyday people? Or do we try to fight and have casualties so great that what's left may not even save us, you know? Like, may not even save our culture, our people. And... So it's it's just like oh it's just very good yeah. again that comparison it's just mm. it's just that it's it's strikingly similar and we'll talk about this later to situations in in the other countries as well you know you think about um, specifically um, people like Merwib right you think about people who are under the Garlean foot as well. But then you start thinking about places like Gridania, and it's not the same. But it, it's this kind of, what do we do, right? The Empire is here. They're knocking on our door. What do we do? 
like I think each one of these stories, eh, bar maybe a little bit of it, is kind of a reaction to, and I mean, that's why they call it Tales of the Twilight, this situation and how everyone was different and what they did. It, it's really interesting to me to see those pressures. Because, um, you know, they're there and they're kind of, I don't know if they're understated in Stormblood, but they're not the focus. And seeing what he had to go mm-hmm. through, yeah, it, it shows you what he is when you meet him on the step, like yeah. you're saying. There, it's 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 not that they don't talk about these in Stormblood. They right. do, but I think they they briefly show them, mm-hmm. and then it's it's stories like this that you know are kind of like that glue that pulls everything yeah. together. Because like, yeah, okay, we saw you know the Imperials come over to uh, the, that small town in, in Yangsha, and they're like, okay, we need mm-hmm. people to like come do this for us, and they you know drag some people away, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's a thing that happens in wartime. Okay, we get that. Yeah. But just, you know, just hearing the this little bit of, you know, the interaction with with Hien and his father, um, right. it really kind of helps to to pull it all together. So um, that's why these are such a good thing to read. <laughs> yes. Um, so um, Hien goes to swallow his compass. Yugiri follows him. Um, and uh, Hien is doing a very good job. Uh, Metal Gear Solid in his way past all of the Kiyofusa, um, which are like those kind of big samurai sentries that are, are kind of walking around mm. um giant swords and of course yugiri <laughs> comes and makes some sound and and kind of wakes him up um and so he and basically gets hurt protecting yugiri from from these uh kiyofusa so um after they get out um they run into an imperial guard who of course has orders to kill anybody he sees because yep. garlemald um <laughs> Luckily, uh, a big, strong samurai man named Gosetsu shows up. And it's like, boy, this will be hard to explain to uh, to daddy that, uh, that mm-hmm. you killed his son. And the samurai's like, all right, just, just go. Just don't tell anybody. Just leave. Don't, don't let I won't kill these him. kids. Yeah, just, just, just go. Um, and from there, um, we learn that, that they know, that's when uh, Hien starts to train under Gosetsu. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and probably when Yugiri focuses on being quiet and protecting Hien, you know, it's it's really cool to see that moment. Of course, you know, some people are going to be like, it's overwrought or of course, that's what happened. Of course, he protected her. But I really think that after that, she's the one protecting him. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, you see yeah, such yeah. a reversal in Stormblood, right? And I, and I uh, think so I, I kind of like it. And I think it works well, too. I mean, that idea of... Um, you know, she she finds Hien training. She joins Hien, and then after you know he's going through this area, being careful, and she's the one that like trips the alarm, mm-hmm. right? And he gets hurt because of that. She's like, okay, I'm not gonna let this happen again. Yeah, and I think I think that that makes sense, like narratively. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that too because I didn't even think about that until you just phrased it that way. The idea that she, because of almost her own clumsiness, I guess you could say triggers this alarm and then what she ends up becoming is a master of stealth right and i like i love that you can almost see the direct character growth from it and -hmm. like you said her desire to protect him and like also the fact that they were brought together by the fact that neither of them wanted to turn a blind eye to these things and Mm -hmm. to what was happening and to allow this kind of suffering to continue but then had to take this journey together to figure out how they could free their people, you know, all their people above water, below water from this tyranny, whether or not they were willing to acknowledge it. And it's, oh, it's just, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of character meat and glue that 
I don't know, just give so much depth because really things change when good people take action or when, you know, people learn what it means to take action. And it's just a lovely full circle moment. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we talk about reading these and they are after the fact and they add, some people might say, you know, they, they showed us the story and then they back filled these like if you're taking it um, at the least charitable view but that doesn't even matter right <laughs> like it doesn't matter like i think that it's better and it's it might be weird i would have rather seen the story in this format than an echo cutscene right like i you get so much more color from the text i think because yeah. then it would have been like okay yeah whatever she she needed protection and now she protects him it, it's just different finding out after the fact for me yeah, and I mean, the idea of creating a prequel is not at all new. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so many different TV shows and all sorts of things do some kind of prequel spinoff sure. after the original release. I think the difference is just filling it in a way that truly feels like it fits with everything, mm -hmm. all the other contexts that we have, while also providing something. I would love to see them add these text version-wise into the sure. actual journal, like the story journal that you can read in the yep. ends and stuff. Or, you know, have some person at the end of each expansion that has a little thing over their head that's, you know, like, talk to me. Oh, did you mm -hmm. hear the stories about blah, blah, blah? I don't know. It'd be nice just to see them in-game because, yeah, they do just give more depth, that texture, well, like I, you were think, saying. <laughs> I think a lot of it, too, right, is you can only do so much with the cutscene in, in, in a sense like yes you can put in all of the visuals of this story in it they're like official capacity right but yeah. if you only have to, the text to go off of your mind kind of starts to fill in some of those mm -hmm. images right and I think that is what makes it even more powerful is that idea that you know your your brain is like kind of coming up with everything um, mm. but yeah. yeah so that's that's story one well, yeah. hold on. One, There's one, one last story. thing about story oh, uh -huh. one. There's okay. one last yeah. thing. That last bit stabbed me right in the heart. Oh, sure. Especially Aww. having done all of the Dome and Enclave. Mm. If if anybody is out there and you're a new player and you get done with Stormblood and you're kind of going, oh, I do want more to kind of flesh out how, I don't know, I felt after this, right? I would definitely recommend doing the Dome and Enclave. It's this little piece of side content. You just like go and you turn in stuff and each yeah. week you'll get updates to things. And you'll get some gill for doing it. But there was such a gorgeous narrative there when you completed it. And that scene with the lanterns and this mm -hmm. idea of peace and, you know, culture and reconciliation coming back, healing coming to Doma. So great. And then to get this last bit in this story, the... The sound of skittering rocks roused Yugiri from memories. The children had ceased their bickering and were engaged in a game of Ishikeri. For they live not in fear, for they are free. I... Mm-hmm. Mm, it hurts me in my yeah. heart, please. <laughs> it's so... It's like, again, that like little detail where right. they worked in that multi-layered imagery about a nation in which children can play and explore and be who they want to be and live freely. It's like... Yeah. Mm, it does a this really like good a job of, of bringing it back around yeah. from the mention to it earlier when she realizes that, like, he and, and Doman children, like, what is fun? Yeah. Pray, pray tell us, what is fun? Um, and, you know, on top of all that, we are the ones who help them do it, right? Yeah. Like, you you have that full circle, like, ah, yeah, that's that's why we did that. You know, this is why we did that. Yes, Garlean's whatever, but this is why we did that. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I would recommend too, and I, you know, I, I've recommended it every time we bring up Dome and Enclave, do Dome and Enclave. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's one of those things, right? We talk about how these stories kind of help everything kind of, you know, mesh together. But I think that that Doma and Enclave thing really did a great job on kind of selling like what Doma is, what Doman culture is. I mean, it, it sounds stupid. It sounds absolutely insane. But like, it's so cool because you like you get to see them make paper like that. Those are animations yeah. and things that they decided to include. Like it's it's like the weirdest, randomest thing. But like, it's you know, like it's 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 really yeah. cool. So definitely, if you haven't done the Doma and Enclave stuff yet, I would I would highly recommend it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, now that was story number one. Are we, are we good? We're, we're good? I think so. Um, I have a lot more feelings, but yeah, I feel pretty good about where we left just, it. Just so. Hopscotch <laughs> is just a wonderful game. I love Hopscotch. It's so Hopscotch good. is my favorite. No, I yeah, I think it's a great one. Worth mm-hmm. the read. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, this next one. Um, <laughs> Failed to chat Rook's favorite story, the second one. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, Maybe. this... This might be my my favorite. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, if Merle Phoebe's in it, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there in the background, one. sparkle eyes. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> uh, Not so, me. so this uh, story is about Merle Blofus Wynn and her father, yeah. uh, Blofus Blofusin. I actually had to like open up my lore book. I'm like, is that a typo? Is that the right way to spell? Yeah, no, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Different, slightly guess- different last name. Like, I guess it's like, it's like Haggard Haggard son, you know, like yes, very, exactly. very, you know, Nordic, uh, yeah. you know, I, I struggle to find the right word to describe it. But, you know, something like that where they would add son of in there. Mm. There you go. Maybe he's uh, the second. Um, so, I like that. I accept it. Yeah. Stamp. Boom. Yeah, this was a really <laughs> cool story. Uh, again, this is yeah, one of those was. stories where I think reading it and being able to kind of like attach your own imagery to it makes it so good um mm-hmm. so this starts off with basically talking about all the different pirates and how uh, you know the sahagin are basically you know stealing all the crystals um, mm-hmm. from all the merchant ships um so blowfish announces a campaign to eliminate the sahagin um and we find out um and I, I don't know if we knew this before or not i feel like we might have Mm-hmm. Um, Merrowib has her own ship. This is after Blofus basically makes Merrowib like the captain and stuff like right. that. So, so like, yeah, but also like everybody still respects him, and you know he's it's it's that weird like, it's like yes the 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 princess is now in charge, but also like we still listen to the king kind of. It's like this you know yes she's in charge, but also like I could easily come out and be like hey let's go do this, and everybody would listen to him. Um, but yeah, her ship uh, was called the Lively. Um, yeah, and there was a, another vessel, uh, called the Orion that was under attack. And, um, instead of calling up, uh, the rest of the fleet and said, Hey, let's go over here. Merlewood's like, I got this. Nothing will go wrong. Easy uh, game. Yeah. Not, not a problem. GG easy. Let's go e- do yeah. this. <laughs> was like, you can unsync this now. So it's fine. Yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> um, and so. At the beginning, yeah, it, it was it was pretty straightforward. All right, they fought back the Sahagin, whatever. But then there was this one Sahagin, just this, this, this one dude. Mm-hmm. He was like beaten near death. He's like, hey, this boat we were robbing, it's full of crystals. Mm. I'm gonna summon Leviathan. Whoops. So everything was fine. 
And then and Leviathan, so Leviathan shows up <laughs> and he's like, yo, what you doing to my Sahagin peeps? Um, and so uh, Merlob ends up losing the lively. It gets just by Leviathan. Luckily, uh, Blofus and the flotilla showed up um, and they end up pushing Leviathan back. Um, so, yes, people were lost, but at the end of the day, yes, they kind of won, but they were like, Oh, primals are okay. This is a thing. Yeah, primals, great. This is this will this will make all this so much more fun. Thank you. Um, and not even a week after they got back, uh, Blofus just just left. He's like, I'm out. No, really, Peace. any rhyme or reason why he just left. Um, and then um, the Sahagin attacks became more frequent, um, and the news started to come in that Blofus was working with the Sahagin. Um, as the leader of a group called the Serpent Reavers. So obviously, Merylweb's like, okay, we can't be having this. Even if he is my dad, this is treason, uh, if it's true. Um, so I'm going to have to go out and kill my dad. Yeah. So she she gets a, a small crew of her, you know, her, her trusted, uh, you know, her inner circle, right? Right. Um, Beard shows up. He's like, so what you going to do? It's like, I'm going to kill this my dad. This was another... Yeah. This like, is another cool. one. Take these guns. <laughs> <laughs> this is another such great little fill-in because yeah. if you pay attention to Merleveeb and her, like you know, right-hand man, right, you mm-hmm. probably know that in any of the cutscenes you've seen her with, with his old other Rugadin, that guy is secretly Mistbeard. and yep. he like admits to this. He talks about it, and we even in some of the most recent patch content heard a little bit about it. But mm-hmm. again, it's one of those things where. If you're not super deep into the immersion mm-hmm. of Limsa and the lore of Limsa and all the pirate factions and things, right. you probably are just like, I don't know, that man sometimes said his name was Mistbeard and that's cool. Like, you just probably don't get the context. And so right. this idea that there really are, again, like more, it's it's just filling in. It's just giving more texture, like you yeah. were saying, to the layers of the different factions that have made up Limsa. The things that Merlveeb has been struggling against, what she grew up under, you know, in the context mm-hmm. of this independent, all these independent fleets and groups and um, factions that she has somehow managed to wrangle, you know, Mm -hmm. and to set in a new course. That's no small feat. And it wasn't easily won. And so these alliances and these characters that surround her, it's just, again, chef's kiss, because otherwise you just get these little tiny bits and pieces. And maybe if you've dug deep and headcanoned, you know, you're there. But this is the first time we've ever actually really, again, seen, even between these two characters, much like Yugiri and Hien, what sort of forged this bond. I'm yeah, going to kill you know, my dad. I like you. Let's I like be friends. you. I like you. Well, <laughs> and it's it's amazing, too, because Mistbeard was one of his yeah, great rivals. Exactly. You know? And... While there obviously is antagonism there, you can, I, I mean, everyone respected her father as well. Mm-hmm. And this yep. idea that, you know, this conversation that they have where he doesn't seem to be doing this, you know, just to get rid of a rival, it's truly because you know, things have gone wrong. So whatever has happened, although we kind of have an idea of maybe what's happened, you know, um, they realize that he's either a traitor or something else has happened to do this. And he's saying, you know, what are you going to do? Okay, you're going to kill him. Good. That's what I was thinking too. We have to do this because otherwise we will all sink. And it's it's like the respect, but also the rivalry. Good right. mix, yeah. good blend. There's also, right. uh, there are some side quests for uh, Miss Beard as well um, that mm-hmm. you can do uh, in Limsa. So, that, you know, it's again, it's a thing. It's 
just there's a little bit more here if you want right. to pull on that thread. You get and, a, you know, a Mist Weird Helm for it. Um, yeah, Chris in chat mentions Hullbreaker Isle hard as well, yep. where you actually fight Mist Beard, which is, I, you know, once again, I'm not a super huge Limsa fan. I don't really know why, but I love the backstory of Limsa. For some reason, maybe it's, you know, I've never been super into the pirate aesthetic, maybe, but like the backstory is so compelling when you think about Mistbeard and that kind of, ah, you, you know, it's like my rival. I want to murder him. Daughter's really great. And it's like, as he goes into and figures out that his rival's not even of his own mind, like, is mm. that truly victory? You know, it's one of those things where you think about it. Like, what did yeah. he even think about it when, when he gave her these muskets, you know? what kind of emotions layered on top of it. It's, it's really cool to see that and to see him stick by her after that. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You yeah. said you're not, not big on Limsa. Limsa actually uh, is where my favorite 1.0 NPC was. Mm. Which one? Pissed pirate. <laughs> uh-huh. So <laughs> that he, is it's, because it's just a, he, it's a pirate. He's sitting over there by the, uh, I think it was by the culinarians guild at the Bismarck. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to him, he, he says, uh, wench, bring me another ale. What's that? You ain't a wench. Wench, bring me another wench. <laughs> Don't know what happened to him after the calamity. I hope he's doing well. Uh, I just, I, the dialogue, I loved it. It was so funny to me. Um, good old piss pirate. It's the little things, you know? Never, never forget. Yeah, yeah. The um, little thing. So. They're, uh, <laughs> oh, hold on, where's that line? Yeah. I was going to look for one. Part of what I really liked about Mistbeard, we were talking about him staying by her side after mm -hmm. all this. The idea that he says something along the lines of, you know, um, even your father realized that you were the future of, mm -hmm. of piracy and that we are the old guard. And I just, again, it's, it's a beautiful layer of complexity and depth to some of these interactions that, um, you know, the fact that he stays by her also is just this really lovely kind of setup for mm -hmm. the old guard making way for the new. Mm -hmm. And much like many of the other themes that we're dealing with right now in the story, the idea of nations and peoples changing and having to accept change, whether it's that, you know, they've been forced to change because of, you know, the invasion and Garlemald, or it's that they've been forced to reconcile and realize that, you know, divided, nobody will stand and that only mm -hmm. together can we all stand tall and face these things that we have to face so it's like the little layers of transition like transitionatory periods yeah. in all of these nations and seeing how they're building them up is just such fantastic world building and lore building that you don't always see much if ever in especially mmos where you know right. something might only be relevant for an expansion and they're like bye and then they just leave <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, i mean it, it's it's a nice contrast too i mean you know the first story we had yugiri and we had hien arguing with his dad about you know saving people and now mm -hmm. you have dad saying okay daughter like you got this it's all you now and then she's like oh you you kind of strayed a little bit i'm gonna have to put you down um, it's also interesting too, I think, especially right. We talked about how Miss Beard was, uh, Blofus's rival. And so I think there's this idea, right. That, um, everybody, you know, at this point kind of knows what's up, right? Like he's, mm -hmm. we don't know why he's doing this, but clearly he's working for the enemy. That's treason. We have to kill him. Like that's, you know, the yeah. law. Um, and when he asked Marilyn, like, what are you going to do? She's like, I am going to kill him. 
he's like, all right, like this is this is like your thing. Like, yes, he's my like rival, but you're mm-hmm. the daughter. You have to do this. Here's some something to kind of help you here. Um, and I thought that was really, you know, it's, it's that idea of like, like duty to family, um, right. duty to to the country or, or whatever. It's I thought that was interesting. Um, and Miss Beard knowing that if he did it, it's a whole lot different than if she did it. Right. You know, that's that's just knowing that. Yeah. Um, so um, they go um, on land. Uh, she ends up battling through former companions and childhood friends. Um, there was one line. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, where was it? basically talking about how uh their eyes were kind of like crazy um, ah right right like she was fighting through them and it's like something was off right um yeah their wild-eyed expressions rendered them nearly unrecognizable um and yeah. so she's you know she's she's killing people that she knows cuz they're basically gone mad um mm-hmm. and then they get uh, and they find uh, her dad. Um, and this is where, you know, one of those things where when you read it, you know, his his pale skin clung to his uh, emaciated frame and his uh, flowing locks and beard were uh, flecked with white and gray. His slack jaw hung open and spittle pooled on the earth below. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, he's very just like... Stark raving mad. Visceral. Yeah. It's yeah. visceral. Oh. I mean... We we obviously look at it now as tempering signs, right? You know, yeah. Which <laughs> that is, he was tempered no in that idea. attack. That's that's mm-hmm. what I think makes this story so interesting. Is this is one of like what we have right now is one of the earlier encounters of facing people that have been tempered. So you mm-hmm. have this this situation where Merylweb goes to help a ship, doesn't call for backup, and because of that naivety people get tempered and she ends up here, right? As, as we move on a little bit more, she ends up doing a duel with her father and killing her father with one of the guns that Miss Beard gave her. And that's why that gun is called death penalty. Right. Um, which is, it is, it's interesting too, because there's, we've seen so many levels of, of being tempered before. Like when I think of tempered, my brain immediately thinks to, uh, one of the, the, the prisoners they have in the Amulja, uh, mm-hmm. tribe quests where like they are gone. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they are just a full bag of cats. Crazy. Like mm-hmm. just in, in that cage there. But like here there's enough of her father still that it's like, all right, we're gonna have a duel. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like he, he's still right. there and able to, he is, I, I remember he what understands. a understands. is. Yeah. Right. And he's, yeah. Um, and he's, he talks to, to Merlob a little bit and it's, it's 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 really interesting um right i mean the idea that right like a primal oftentimes embodies some kind of specific drive directive or you know motivation to it right they they seem to embody certain traits and yet uh we know that those who have extremely strong wills or the echo may have more or less ability to withstand against tempering Mm -hmm. so for a man who his entire life had lived by a code it's it's a great it's a great show that when he does agree to the duel that his own doctrine and code is still there 
right. that he probably, you know, a lesser man may have lost that, right? But the fact that he agrees to it, even if he, like, barely says anything in that moment, he goes through it, you can see that last vestige of him and his last words to her, and, you know, it's... oh. It it makes so much of what happens in Limsa in the core story so much more intense. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, it feels like you're going through a laundry list of primals, right? You're like, right. well, bye-bye, Ifrit, bye-bye, Garuda, bye-bye. Like, you just go through all of them. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, go to location. Who is the person who tells me the thing is here? Ha-ha, the thing. And then you go, and then you defeat it, and you come back. But with these added layers... What that meant to Limsa to have mm-hmm. Leviathan put to rest is massive, right? Their entire culture way of life, their piracy, their income, their market, you know, everything that they do, their trading, everything is water-based. So to have have had this faction of Sahagan that her father came in contact with who were so violent to them and that threatened all of that, who they then tried to put down with violence, right? It's like violence begets violence begets violence. You know, Mm. it's kind of the narrative, right? And then to realize that they had vastly underestimated even what the possibilities were with what I assume is the first summoning of Leviathan in that modern era. I didn't totally understand from this whether or not this was like the, like they didn't even realize that summoning was a possibility from this or if... It was yeah. like they knew that the crystals were leading to something I, like a summoning. I, or... I would imagine that Leviathan had been summoned at least one time before. And I, I say this because, like, we know that the Askins went around and taught the Beast Tribes how to summon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, it's like uh, the idea of, like, you know, you would you would practice this before you go out into the field. You know what I mean? Right. Like the idea mm-hmm. of, like, this lone Sahagan at the end of this 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 battle it's just like, well, I guess I'll try that thing I learned in class. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I he must have been summoned once before. Whether or not um, that was more, uh, pri- you know, like less public um, yeah, or not, like, I, you know, who knows? Um, right. Yeah. There could have been records of like tidal waves or something, you know, from a Sahagan yeah. attack or something. And maybe they just never saw Leviathan. But yeah, it is unclear. You're right. Like, I. I was yeah. trying to figure it out too, and I'm like, I don't know. I'd have to go and literally research when this took place and try and figure out you, if there yeah. were live I mean, you, you would think it's you know like <laughs> yeah. maybe not the best comparison, but like nuclear tests, right? It's like okay, let's mm-hmm. let's see if we understand how this works before we actually use it. Um, it's fascinating, and Merle is a character as well. That initial encounter for her to have said, "I can handle this myself," whatever, and then mm-hmm. Leviathan gets summoned and is almost a constant reminder of the cost of her own hubris, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. The loss and having to face the repercussions of what was unleashed because of her own naivety and, you know, arrogance, having to face down her father, and now, in retrospect, realizing that he could have maybe been saved, but that they just didn't know anything about it at this point. Um, and then to have this moment where when we encounter Leviathan in the story and this threat is out there and it's something that she has such personal ties to for her to years later say, I have created that. I made the fleet that I said that I would, I Mm -hmm. have them here ready to face this threat, but then to turn it over to somebody else's hands and say, I need your help. I, I cannot do this. Um, I am the one that caused it is like, 
again, right in the heart. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it's interesting to this story. It, it basically it's a it's a flashback while she's like basically cleaning these guns off, right? That Miss Beard. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too because the fact that they set it up that way, and you know, she talks about how she was naive, and I, I get the impression, and it's it's one of those things that you just kind of have to pick up. I think where she probably thinks about this a lot, right? That idea of, mm-hmm. okay, like, I didn't call for help. They ended up coming, but this happened. If I had called, would this still have happened? It, it very well could have. It might right. have even happened sooner. Um, but mm-hmm. you'll never know, right? That's, you know, dwelling yeah. on it like that. Um, and I see in chat, too, the comments about uh, for her to now also be the one that brokers peace and sets aside even those age-old rivalries who, you know, she could have just gone on in the footsteps of her father, right? She could have been so burdened by guilt in regards to what happened to him that she felt she had to live up to his legacy in a very literal sense, you know? But the fact that she forges her own path is... She just a woman... She just a woman that I would marry. I would just marry her. (laughs) I just respect her. Mm -hmm. And I love her. And mm-hmm. she's powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, to not only wrangle all these cats, these pirate captains, but also to then set them again on this new future, to set them sailing towards different shores. It's you got to have so much respect for this woman. She's Absolutely. like, oh, my gosh. And to also <laughs> confront the follies of her own past and her own people, you know, to grow and learn from that rather than just twisting herself with the guilt or with you know, lessons she didn't want to learn. Right. And Although... you have now. Oh, sorry. Oh, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I oh. was, I was going to make a joke. If you're going to be serious. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say saying you've given everyone the checklist. Uh, these the are checklist. the things you need. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. The one thing that did have me question marking during this mm-hmm. a little bit is the very last bit. I don't know if fusion, if we, if you were, do you have a note? Do we have a note on this specifically or I, can I, I take it away on which, this? Go, go for it. The mentions of this, her right-hand person, Lawrence, mm-hmm. who we assume is male because at the end they use he, the pronouns. He, yeah, he, he, the word he appears a couple times, but it's we, we didn't mention him yet, but um, they, they do show up, um, and he's he's basically the, the referee for the duel um, yes. with, with her yeah. father. But there's this weird cliffhanger with him where she says, like, she knew that he was out there somewhere waiting to make his return when dire storms again threatened the seas. After all, if I'm my father's daughter, then in all but blood, he is my father's son. And it's mm-hmm. like, I was sitting here like, okay, Lawrence, you can come back. I'll allow you to come back in this story. But if you think you're going to upstage this woman, I will kick you out of this story so right. fast. <laughs> you're not going to come in here, swoop in here, be like, I'm here to write the course and make sure everything. No. Rovi already did it. You could show up. You can be like, great job. You did so good. I'm really proud of you. But that's all. That's it, Lawrence. That's all you get. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was I was trying to, to see if there was any indication of him like previously. And I, I tried to, you know, I dabbled a little bit with some some Google foo. Couldn't mm-hmm. really find any mentions of him. Um, yeah, there's not many. So, yeah, I'll be curious. Like, obviously, you know, with these coming at the end of Shadowbringers, right? There's that big like, hmm, I wonder if this is hinting mm-hmm. at something that we might be seeing shortly. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we did have, mm-hmm. you know, there was that one patch where it was just kind of like, and now to Limson politics. Right. Like, what? It very much could have been that they were setting something specifically up for some kind of plot 
possibly yep. with this character or with Merle Veeb. It, you know, it made sense from the perspective of we haven't spent maybe as much time in Limsa as some of the other nations for various reasons. Right. So I was willing to just justify it based off of that. But with this story, I am really wondering if there is going to be some kind of thing or thread that they specifically wanted to bring right. our minds back to with these characters. He's going to yeah. show up and he's going to take us to the new world. He's going to be like, you know, I've been adventuring since then because I wanted to find answers that's, and I found the new world. So let's go. That's what I'm wondering. And I then mean, we go. Obviously, with, with Limsa being like the like, uh, yeah, we have Kugane, but that's that's the other side of the <laughs> right. That's that's, mm -hmm. that's east. But for going west. Yeah, like Libsa is kind of like the the port for that. And yes. if yeah. if we are going to have the end of this story have that period right after 6.0, like that's mm -hmm. it, that's the story. Um the idea of starting a new story but not having like the new areas to accompany that uh, it, right. I I think could potentially be weird, but to have that kind of start in Limsa or or maybe even end in Limsa. Um mm -hmm before going to like the new world, for example, I think that could be interesting. Um, and right. so I think that that might've been just like that little like breadcrumb, like Limsa is a thing, you know, the order of pirates is a thing. This is how they do stuff mm -hmm. in Limsa. Please remember this <laughs> Yes. before we get into Endwalker. Just, this is Please a thing. Just, you know, we'll, we'll give it to you. Just set it on the side. We'll come back to it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean like to, 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 to just drop it randomly like that, there's there's a reason. Gotta come it. up. There, there is a up. reason for that. Yeah. Um, speaking of reasons for things, anything uh, else for this one before we move on? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, this next one I absolutely hate. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I do not like this. I think I know why. But I do not like this. It's it's one of those weird like we need to retcon things because we're gonna make mm. this character more popular and we need to people to have a better emotional attachment that's all that this story is to me um and it, it i mean i kind of agree i kind of agree with you i kind of agree with you fusion i kind of agree with you on this one yeah and and, and mm. look like we've said before right that there's you know um these stories serve as a nice kind of like glue to bring everything else together this one is like a whole new page that we this is like a whole new chapter that we didn't sure. know even existed that they're just like stapling into the book of the game. They're just like, okay, uh, yeah, but this, uh, this, this, this was a thing. It wasn't mentioned anywhere ever, but, but no, this, mm -hmm. this, yeah, no, this totally happened. To totally for real was a, totally a thing that, yeah. Right. Um, so all right. Um, yeah. So this is the story of Fordola and the real Yida, um, who were apparently friends for a few days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Why not? Um, so basically, uh, what happens is we already know that, you know, Fordola's father passed away. And that was, you know, kind of like the catalyst for her joining the uh, the Empire and, you know, joining the, the 12th Legion with her friends and all this stuff. But what we didn't know is that one day Fordola just, you know, went up some cliffs just to, to look at the scenery, and was almost killed mm -hmm. by a toad until Gita saved her. Because how else are you going to meet a character other than saving them from a giant toad? Um, so they become friends. They you know they meet up uh, day after day, and eventually Gita asks Wardola if she wants to leave Alamigo. It's like, 
hey, I'm getting out of here. You like, you want to, you know, want to come with? We can like live somewhere. It'll be great. Um, and it's, so, I was gonna say it's okay. I I agree with you, Fusion, in mm-hmm. that this feels very shoehorned to me. Sure. Yeah. Maybe it just feels far too convenient, right? Yes. It's like the idea yes. that in like a a war torn nation that's being invaded and has been conquered by this other place, that these two pivotal characters who heretofore never were connected by anything whatsoever. And even with the ties that we did have, were incredibly antagonistic to one another mm-hmm. between Lise, who would eventually pick up Ida's mantle, and Fordola, who would oppose us, right? So it's yeah. like, I, while that to me makes this feel really awkward, the details they put in here about some of this, I think is, you know, it's there. The ideas are there. They're not completely out of nowhere. The sure. idea, was she kind of mentioned, you know, like, I have a younger sister. Seeing you reminded me of my younger sister. We also lost our father. It makes sense that maybe Ida, being the elder sibling, would be an all-amigo trying to help with the resistance in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that possibly she was active and Papalimo and things like that. They they were probably active across that threshold. So it's not like the pieces don't... And, well, it's not know, like they that, don't that know. part, I mm-hmm. 100% by right yes yeah obviously you know would have been working with the resistance and all this stuff oh yeah yeah Uh, but also she just just... happened to save this young girl who (laughs) was for and it's just like wow it does it feels really strange and especially for a character that i feel like (sighs) i love fordola she's one of my favorite characters in this whole game i want her to get more time but part of what i love about her is her complexity And the fact that, like, a lot of things happened to her that I think did set her on the wrong path because of pressures of growing up in the kind of nation that she did. And so it's sort of weird to have this, like, moment with her where it's just like, and then this really kind stranger helped me in my my hardest time. And, of course, bad things happen still. Mm -hmm. But to me, it feels like Fordola's story is the future. You know what I mean? And I would have Mm -hmm. almost rather have just seen something with her that delved more into specifically just the pressures of what it meant to grow up in the situation she mm-hmm. grew up in, as I, opposed yeah. to like, and then I met a charming character that we all right. know who brings nostalgia. And then I, but then I became bad for a little while, but then I'm going to be good again. It's just my personal it's, taste. You it's know? really interesting. <laughs> we talk about how these work so much better as side stories. This one, I think obviously yeah. like this was thought of after the fact, mm-hmm. like clearly, but like yeah, if this so. this was you know in the uh, internal docs right when they did Stormblood, this is one of those things that should have been in game. Yes, because mm-hmm. now that this is a story that exists, like Fordola could just randomly just like name drop Ida, and everybody mm-hmm. in games can be like, "What? Oh, you didn't yeah. read the short story that totally happened, right? <laughs> yeah, and especially too with the interactions with." Her and Lise, like, this is something to me that feels like a crux that could have been used for these characters in Mm -hmm. the context of the Stormblood expansion to have some kind of moment. Or when, you know, Fordola is after the fact, kind of, you know, I love the moment where Fordola asks you about, like, how do you deal with having the echo? How do you deal with this every day? How do you deal? Like, I love those bits. But this is the kind of story that for me... Like you were saying, Fusion, it creates a chain of events and sequences and confrontations that are now a visible hole in the game. Like, 
why in the world? Right. I mean, it's very feasible that they just have never talked about Ida and she has no idea that they're connected. But if Lise has just been in Alamigo since this happened right. and has presumably been visiting, you know, the people there or like she might have recognized any number of things on Lise, even the tattoo that she yeah. had. So let's, Lise was pretending to be I Ida do, for I a year. Do, I do want to come back to this, yeah. but we, we need to go All a right, little go further ahead. here with the story. Okay, okay. Um, so... Uh, Ida asks Rodolfo if she wants to leave Alamigo. Um, there's not really a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of seats available on the on the plane, right. as it were, right? So Fordola is asking her friends about it. Should I go? Do you want to go? Um, ultimately, she decides to stay. Um, and of course, because she's going around talking to a bunch of people about this, she's followed when she goes to meet with Ida to tell her that she's not going with her. Um, this is the part that, again, right, that if this did happen... Here's mm-hmm. the, the big plot hole, right? Um, as Yida approaches Fordola, she knows what's happening. She sees that she's been followed. She knows that this isn't going to end well. So she's on a link pro with Papa Limo. And mm-hmm. because this story is told from Fordola's perspective, we know that Fordola hears her say, Papa Limo, please look after Lise for me. Yeah. And the fact that she's recounting this story knows that like, she remembers those names specifically name. and right. she, we have never once seen her be like hey Lise, so uh, about your sister Whoops. sorry um like that's that's such a huge yeah. like ugh for me like i don't know how to describe it's just it's right. one of those things where they're trying to bring back Fordola as a character and they want us to try and sympathize with her more and so they have to go back and try and put in stories um but the, the problem with this, though, is you have this idea that, like, at least right now, like, yes, her father just died. Um, she's kind of in a weird place, but, you know, she understands Ida's working for the resistance. Um, she likes Ida, but doesn't want to go with her. Mm-hmm. So we have this this kind of like, OK, she's just like, you know, in Alamigo, there's occupation and stuff. She meets Yida, and so she's kind of, like, going, aligning, aligning, you know, right, if we have to look at, like, Mm -hmm. alignment, right? She's a little bit of good, a little bit of good, and then she gets followed. Uh, Yida's fighting all the Imperials. Yida actually, like, puts on an act to protect Fordola so that they don't accuse her of treason. Mm -hmm. Yida tells Fordola to find some hope to hold on to, and then essentially goes off, fights all the people that followed her, and probably dies there. Yeah. Uh, We don't get that you know, sense of finality to it. Right. Um, but the, you know, after being like, Oh yeah, he is my friend and it's cool. But then off after all this, she's like, oh, I'm going to go join the 12th. Leader. Like what the, what <laughs> you have that <laughs> little bump of weird. good. And then you just go down a hill. Yeah. And it's just, it's yes. really- so weird. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel, um, <sighs> I'm trying to think of the, it doesn't feel like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, There's not a, a progression of logic and right. emotional beats yeah. that lead I, to that. This should have come out when Fordola, and this is spoilers for, for very close to where we are in the story, is talking about what a hero is and, you know, like idealism. She should have mentioned, I saw a hero once this, and you know what happened to her? Yes. That should be her reason. This, that should this, be her reason. This that would have, have sold been. the entire thing. Yeah. That one line would That's have sold. It. Even yeah. if they just put it in here. Like, right. even if they had just prefaced the story with, like, Fordola stood leaning, thinking about the argument she just had with Alfino. Yeah. And then in the, like, bottom part, it had been like, 
I saw a hero once and look what happened yeah. to her. I had hope once, but then I realized that was for children or mm -hmm. something. That yeah. would have sold the entire story. See one sentence. Yeah. And I and I think oh, I had a point. I had a, I had a really good oh, point. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, it's not your fault. Um uh. But yeah, I mean that idea that you know this was a, a thing that happened. This that that's, I remember now. This should have been in Tales from the Storm. This shouldn't come two expansions later when we're more or less you know we've moved away from the resistance. We've moved away from the idea of Yida and Lise. Um, you know, yes, we've gotten a little back bit back into like Fordola, but like this should have been. We should have seen this short story years ago. Um, and and yeah. then I think it would have fit a little bit more. They would have mm. been able to weave it a, at least a little bit into the game. But like right now, and I know we don't know what's going to happen with Fordola and Endwalker. You know, we've, sure. we've theorized a little bit. Maybe she'll, she'll die, but it'll be confronting Xenos. Um, like I, in my, my head canon now, I'm just imagining her like charging at Xenos and like randomly just being like, Frigida, and be like, what? <laughs> I have this feeling, and I don't know, this is just total supposition, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This feels like them trying to set up, again, more ways to integrate her into the group and or create character interactions or dynamics in this yep. next expansion. And one of the lines... I actually think for all that there's a lot of critique about this one, and it feels maybe the most... I don't want to say ham-fisted of all of them, but it kind of <laughs> sure. does, um, Is that there is one paragraph that I think is exceptional. It's stunning in this, in this piece, which is... Um, with the sky burning red behind her, Ida danced. Imperials fell one after another to her blows, but even she could not evade every blade, every fist, every bullet that came her way. And soon, the salt-white ground turned crimson, too. From a distance, Fordola watched as Ida's strength waned. And that pair, like, oh, the visualization, mm -hmm. the imagery, yeah. the colors, phenomenal. But one thing that I think is really important here is Ida danced. Yeah. Which... Is she a, was she a dancer? <laughs> well, like, I, I mean, it, I think what it was I, is, I don't know I mean, if they, but this is what I mean. I just don't yeah. know what I was trying to mean is that I don't know if this is a specific nod to like, she was trained as a dancer. And so mm -hmm. if we are in an area, which we know we're going to, where there are a ton of dancers, they're planning on doing something there where it's sure. like, this is where we get a nod and Fordola has some kind of arc here or something about mm -hmm. it. Or, you know, I don't like know. That. It could have also just literally be that they are saying like she danced in combat, right? I like think not that's what it's literal dancing. Yeah. Right. But the red imagery, that specific word, all of these different things, it made me think like we ass I assumed that Ida was a monk because right. uh well. yeah. mimics her. But the fact that both monk and dancer are technically similar physical right like you are doing something where one is ranged one yeah. is up close mm -hmm. but right they both have these very specific sort of forms and and martial arts components to them the dancing element i was like oh maybe she maybe they're like making her a dancer this is just yeah. a wild guess i have no idea but i think it's just that that the, the dance of combat i think is right i mean could she have been an answer yeah maybe um but i i also you know considered her to be a monk um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that that scene again, right? There's some things that are better as stories. That idea of just thinking of like that black silhouette of her moving and, you know, just guys coming at her with that red backdrop. Like it's that's such right. a cool visual. When I when I read that paragraph, I thought to lease in the Stormblood trailer mm -hmm. dancing. Right. Yes. Like because yeah. when we saw that, we were all like, is that dancer? 
Oh my goodness, <laughs> right? And yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. That, that ambiguous, like, yeah, dancing martial arts. But like, as soon as I read that paragraph, I saw Lise yep. dancing, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, once again, we say sometimes it, from words you make your own images, and that that was really awesome was for it. me to think yeah. about. Yeah. 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 One of the things that's also kind of... Hold on, I'm looking. I was looking mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. So, Tales from the Twilight. Yeah. And we kind of know that they have been doing these big sun imageries, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where this is the sun setting on something and a new one's going to rise and how they've kind of themed all the expansions around that. Set with the sun is, I mean, all the red imagery and everything. Mm-hmm. How can the sky burn so? And all these things... I really do like that because it does feel like, although it's not maybe completely as reinforced in every one of these stories, like they are also writing within the context of a journey of a sun, the set, the rise, which like the first one starts in the day and then it kind of, it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they, I just noticed this. So I don't know if it's actually reinforced across the board. We'll have to see as we keep going, but. um, At least one more. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I just, I don't particularly, this one is interesting, but I don't. I, I, yeah, it's maybe one of the yeah. ones I feel the weakest about out of all mm-hmm. of the side stories they've ever released. Mostly yeah. just because, again, for all the reasons we said, it, it doesn't feel, I think, true to the complexity of the character that I think is worth exploring in a sense. It, and it's just a weird way to tie these characters together. And like we said, that kind of leaves these big questions of why in the world wasn't this mentioned and I, you know, sooner. And, I, and I, think, I think what you said is, is really the best way to describe it. It's convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and, yeah. <laughs> someone in chat, uh, Chris, has mentioned that least that name is not in any other translation of this story. It's not in the German translation. It's just sister. Um, so I wonder why that might be. You know, I, I I don't know. I'll definitely take you on your word there. Um, but that is very interesting too. And we've seen that before, like little little differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always interesting to see when they choose to change words why did they choose lease for us for for at least english speakers i'm not entirely sure That's at a, least it's it's still you know correct yeah. right it's not you know back yeah. in 1.0 yeah. where according to which uh language you read the the surge right. of ener- energy under mordona was to the east or to the west or to the- <laughs> right <laughs> at least there's that where even is the crystal tower um <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, that was the one with with Fordola. And yeah, I, I think it was probably not my favorite. I, yeah. Full disclosure, I mean, like going into this, like Fordola is not one of my favorite characters anyway. I get, it. Um, I get it. So like when they bring it up, you're both. And the, I'm sorry, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. I, right. I, I didn't say it. I, <laughs> I thought I say you said I, I agree. It. No, no, she's off. She's off with the summoner. She's she's one of my favorites now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please keep going. Oh, no, I'm, I'm joking. You're very entitled to your own opinion. No, <laughs> and, and I think. For, for, I get for, it, though. for me, right, not being a huge fan going into this and now yeah. seeing that they're trying to make connections, I'm just yeah. like, oh, don't bring your more to the forefront. Like, I don't. I really, uh... I, I really want her to show, like, to continue to have a story to really show us that she should be exactly where she is in the story. To me, like, she's earned it. Yes, certainly. But I want more of why we should care. Like, I do care. But I can understand people who don't. And we just need more of that so we can all be on the same footing. You know what I mean? Sure. That's that's really what I want to see from her. And this isn't it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish it was better. Yeah. Oh, 
I guess this is uh, behind the curtain. Do you want me to do the next two? Does uh, that mean yeah. the, the bullet points? Sure. Go for it. Sure. So are we good with uh, the Fordola story? I think we're good. I think yeah. we talked about okay. this at length. So Cool. So our next one is True of Heart. And this one is a story about Kane Sena, the Elementals, the Seed Seer Council. And this one is kind of leading up to the Calamity, Dalamud. Um, so it's a really interesting place to, to place this story. But as we start out in the story, the Archons have asked Redania to join some sort of Eorzean alliance. Now, of course, we remember this through the story of 2.0, or not 2.0, but 1.0, as we're getting into it. So it's kind of like why they didn't immediately answer. So they went to the council. They sought answers from the elementals. So Kane Sena, the Elder Seeds here, was the one who usually listens to the voice of the elementals. She's the best at it. But at this time, they were just too chaotic. She couldn't really pull any information from them. They were just freaking out. Um, and so after days and days of trying on her own, um, they stopped speaking to her at all. Like, all of a sudden, it was silence. And that must be terrifying, right? It's like, it's your job to listen to them. She forgot Nothing. to pay her phone bill. Yeah, exactly, right? So she panicked, but she didn't tell anyone. She just kind of kept it on the wraps, right? She didn't want to cause chaos. So she started delving through tomes of lore from the fifth astral, uh, or fifth calamity, um, you know, just learning whatever she could. It even mentions that she goes back to the basics of conjuration, saying that she kind of forgot some of these because she hasn't had to practice in a while. Um, so she was just reaching out for anything that she possibly could grab. So after that, she decides to visit her predecessor, the previous elder uh, seed seer, and it's someone that we also have seen in game, uh, Apatat Rapa. Eh, close enough, right? Close, close sure. enough. I think I did a okay that's good. job. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Who's something like three hundred years old? So we know of the Pajal that they are—they live a very long time, and I believe Kanesena is like twenty now, maybe if that. Uh, it mentions that she was around thirteen to fifteen during this story, which is insane to me. But Pajals are different. So this is a centuries-old Pajal. So much information, but. After Kanesena took over, he retired to the Twelveswood. So she goes, she seeks him out, she finds him and says, hey, the elementals are being strange. She still doesn't tell him that she can't hear them. Just that, I can't figure it out. You know, I don't know what's going on, but I can't understand them. What do you think? And <laughs> Apatat, the story is like, mm, he knows. Y you know he knows. So he says to her, you speak of troubles, yet you give no voice to those darkest within. So long as you keep your own counsel, I can offer you no words of comfort. That's it. Tell me what's going on. If you don't, how can I help you? And, you know, she struggles with that. And then they're interrupted by a cry for help from a Moogle, in fact, that was going to find her. As Kanesenda finds out that her younger brother and sister are in a clearing alone and in trouble. So she runs and finds Arun and Raya-O. We've seen them, right? And, you know, one of the things that we always see in Gridania is that there are the three of them. So, as we go through this, we see that Arun is unconscious and in some sort of, like, elemental-induced trance. So, Kanesena immediately identifies, okay, they must be trying to speak through him instead of me, because I failed. Which is just, okay, that's not fun. What, what, do, I, what do I even do? So they kind of prop him up next to a giant tree, and that's when she decides, okay, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to tell them the truth. 
So she confesses to the elementals that she can't hear them. And of course, Ryo is like, wait, what? Why didn't you say anything? That doesn't make any sense. So she tells him that, you know, she's learned her lesson. She has to ask for help. Like, she really needs this help. What do you, what, what do you want to tell us? And so in response, they, they kind of, and I love this part, you know, the tree rustles in the wind without any wind, right? So the elementals answer her through Arun and just say, and I wish I had some sort of effect that I could turn on here. Within the moon doth our doom stir. Through Arun's mouth, which he's a tiny child. So maybe it wasn't as doom as it seemed. But still, tiny child saying that, I'd be scared. Um, but with that message, they also, like a branch drops from the tree. Uh, and they call it uh, a gift. And this is her staff. The staff that she is using in-game, Claustrum, is from this event, right? So they blessed her after really being true. Um, so that's when she has this amazing idea. She goes back to the Seeds of the Earth Council. She says, okay, look, everyone, I can't hear the elementals, <laughs> right? It's not, it's not working. But from now on, we're going to have the Elder Seeds here be three people. Myself and my siblings, because through the three of us, the elementals want to speak. Uh, Apatot is there, and he's like, yep, that's exactly what you need to do. And it's like, could you have told me this before, old man? But whatever, that's fine. That's okay, elementals are weird, right? Um, so, from that point, the council agrees with her, like, okay, no, that's fine. You know, you know the most. We will allow this. And they start working on a project called the Grand Companies that she learned about in her research into the fifth umbral era. So this is where that idea has its genesis. Um, kind of working together. I, it's kind of poignant that there are three of them. Grand companies eventually were three. Miskard and Alamigo weren't there, but you know what I mean. And then it says that from there, she goes and visits with Apatot afterwards, you know, many times. But in the last time that she visits, he says, only when we are true of heart does the path reveal itself. So that's kind of the the name and the idea out of this. And nobody interrupted me while I was doing this because I think nobody cares about Kane Sena. Okay, wow. okay, now hold up wow. a minute. Wow. I was just letting you get okay. Okay. through this okay. because I, while I don't care about Kane Sena, I, know, I right? do care about the Black Shroud. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Look, you might be right, but... <laughs> I mean, you were just doing such a good job, Aldo. Right. I was so immersed in the story. I was just right there with you. But, I was right there but, with you. As, you know, full disclosure, <laughs> you know, Fusion was going through and he did the majority of these. And then, you know, it kind of handed off to me last night. And I'm like, okay, so what's the next story I have to... Kane Sena. Oh, man. Okay. I, I want to posit something here, which is... Many of you have heard about my, you've heard at least a little bit and or will, will someday soon be hearing more about right. my crackpot tinfoil hat theory about the Nautilus and imagery uh, yes. involving the golden ratio uh, that ties together Shalyan and the ancients. But I have a new one that I've been working on. I've been letting stew. I've been researching for my own purposes behind the scenes involving the Black Shroud and the possibility of this new 24 man that we're getting, right? Which we have that picture of from the... Uh, the what am I trying to say? The the temple of the twelve, the cathedral of the twelve. Yeah, I think so. Cathedral. Cathedral. 
Um, it sounds like a cathedral. It looks like I a think it's cathedral. cathedral. It's like a probably. cathedral. Uh, somebody will get me in chat. If, look, if, if it looks like a cathedral yeah. and it tastes <laughs> like a cathedral, it's probably a cathedral. <laughs> the I ivory chapel. Oh, Thank okay. you. It's a chapel. That thing's not go. a chapel. It's huge. I guess the difference is that a cathedral is <laughs> supposed to have some kind of, uh, what, some kind of religious head in it. Like there's a person so. that well, has it's, to be it's, in it's it. It's a chapel. So, you know, when you have those crazy weekends in the 12s, what, if you want to get hitched, you go to the chapel. Yeah, 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 True. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, all of that to say, I have this sneaking suspicion, mm-hmm. and this is based off of nothing other than my own intuition and a variety of shenanigans, so I'm going to preface it with that, that the elementals have a much bigger role to play in Endwalker than yes. we think they do. Mm-hmm. And yes. the reason I have this weird thought on it is because of several things. One, that new 24 man and the gods, which we know are kind of a question based off of the ancients possibly being something to do with the group mm-hmm. that either summoned Hydaelyn or used to hold the seats of the, you know, uh, the group there. It's There's something there with that and the way this lore and Azem's lore and everything has mm-hmm. seemed to strangely translate over time. So there's that. Then there's also the fact that the the conjurers and or outside of the conjury guild there is this thing called nofica's well which kind of led me to do some research on nofica specifically and the elementals are supposed to be her creations they were supposed to be something she made and that live in the black shroud and there's this idea of something being hidden in the black shroud that comes up right. time and time again in the lore and being buried deep beneath there are these guardian trees. And when we saw Orianje's elemental wheel in uh, Shadowbringers that he had created, um, this myth and lore about this world tree that supposedly, you know, binds mm. everything together, which we see in right. the bull card, which we, I would say, see represented in trees in the Black Shroud, all this kind of stuff. This world tree is supposed to be a thing um, that Nofica and, oh, who's the other one that somebody else nurtured it? Althic? All thick nurture, do you think? Yeah, um, I think so. So this is supposed to be a thing that facilitated life. And I'm over here with my tinfoil hat looking mm-hmm. at this elemental wheel that has a world tree in the middle of it with a glowing star underneath it. And maybe it's just pretty. Maybe there's something much bigger in the Black Shroud right. than we thought. Maybe this story has something to do with prefacing and reminding people about the elementals existing. Right. <laughs> the, the, you know, the different ways that they've been connected to these calamities and or upcoming calamities. Mm-hmm. I agree that I don't think this story is that fascinating and that Kane sure. Sena on her own is like, I, I appreciate an idea and a, a message of open yourself, be truthful, be right. honest. But like kind of said, it's pretty boring, and yeah, <laughs> like, you know. she's fine. But like, yeah. But she's got an upside down cow necklace. How can you hate on that? It's true. So, I think there's something hidden in the shroud that either has to do with how life was facilitated after the sundering, mm-hmm. or that has something to do more with the gods themselves and/or what that means that we just don't know about yet, or how all the branches of the world as we know it are connected and life flourishes. Right. This is just, just little thoughts I've been right. having. So I, I don't want to rain on your parade. Uh, I talked Uh-oh. to the person that drew that elemental wheel poster. Uh, they just needed something to fill the white space. No, um, you did not. Are you kidding with me? I'm messing with you. You messed it with me. <laughs> <Yes>. What? <laughs> Fusion, you interview a lot of people. Yeah, you do. 
for a so second, I was true. like, I was like, no, 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 my dreams. Because you kind no, of thought, I just, I just wanted that, to, so. I just wanted to, that, that was just to fill the white space, right? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. you remember every interview that you've ever done. So I was oh. like, yeah, okay. If he says yeah, that, that's probably true. Absolutely. Every, every <laughs> single one. <laughs> um, well, a few other things. I Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I rambled for long enough. <laughs> the only thing that I, I totally agree with you. This this story to me is just a hey. Remember, elementals are a thing that are really confusing, and we don't know anything about. And Endwalker is supposed to give us answers, and Norvrant doesn't seem to have elementals. There's not even any mention of anything like that. And you know, yes, mm-hmm. that's ancient history now, a hundred years ago or more. Not quite ancient, but you know what I mean. What are the elementals doing? Why? How can they talk to only certain people? You know, it's. These are the answers that I really want to know, because mm. to me, and it was said in the chat, when you put Kanesena next to Raban and Merwin, you go, ah, yeah, and that's the other one. <laughs> she's the other one. It's cool that wow. she's there, but she's the yeah. other one. She's graceful. She's lovely. But does she have like a lot of nitty gritty character traits? No. no. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't explain her to you. Right. Like you could go Raban determined. Uh, you know, you know, like uh, a lot of other words. I'm just not going to go into Merlewib, uh, wife, uh, other words too, but still. <laughs> My wife, <laughs> just yeah. Incredibly strong. <laughs> and you go to Kane Senna and you can go to Wise, but is she? Composed. Cow yeah. necklace. <laughs> Cow necklace. Uh, Again, traits that aren't physical descriptors. Because right. <laughs> I'd be like, pretty <laughs> yeah i was i was in in on the story because i was like okay gridania give me something about and it just it did flesh out why they're the elder seeds here and there's three of them sure but yeah. <sighs> yeah i agree i think this is reminding us of something very specific and right. i and i think that this is a really interesting thing in the lore of final fantasy and if people haven't done more research I'm actually working on a lore video for this right now, nice. uh, which is taking a long time, but it's also why I so specifically have been fixated on it recently. Nice. But there are a lot of questions with these entities because you're right. They do not show up anywhere else in the world. They are exclusively found in the Black Shroud. It has been confirmed through lore that the elemental sprites we see were for a long time believed to be connected to the elementals, but actually it's been proven in recent years that they have nothing to do with them. Um, hmm. We know that at least going back to 1.0 lore into the next lore. I'm sorry. Give me one second. I love mm-hmm. you, but I need you to get out of this room. <laughs> sorry. This is my partner who has been dancing with our cat in the doorway for about 10 minutes. Wait, no. I've been ignoring them. <laughs> it's the elementals. They're trying to tell you something. The elementals are trying to give me a message. <laughs> The Dance Elem- with cats more. The elementals are trying to give oh, me. God. Oh no. <laughs> um. So so, uh, we know that the elementals, um, have seemed to try to facilitate life to some degree. Although they were vastly misused in the War of the Magi, which led to them closing off the borders of the Black Shroud and making it incredibly inhospitable to any life there. But, like, they live in almost everything in the Shroud, which is fascinating. Like, if you go back to some, I think, 1.0, but also stuff here in uh, 2.0 and beyond, literally talking about how in Gridania people have to, like, ask trees before they can cut them down. And Mm -hmm. how, like, hearers, which we hear referenced in this story, 
are not necessarily all Pajali. Hearers are anyone who trained in Conjury and is able to, like you were both talking about earlier, hear the voice and the will of the elementals, which whether that's some kind of expression of echo or that's mm-hmm. some kind of, we don't know exactly what yeah. causes it, but some people can only hear very specific voices of like this kind of tree. Some people can hear the voices of everything. Um, and like negotiating with them is a huge thing. After the War of the Magi and after then the Calamity, they kind of declined and the Calamity robbed them of a ton of power so that things like the Green Wrath, which used to literally eviscerate people that broke the tenets of the forest. Like, that's why you see all these poachers and things in the Black Shroud now, because literally the elementals can't enforce it anymore. But it used to be that if you poached or you killed without requesting the permission of the elementals, you would literally be eviscerated from existence. So it's a really fascinating place. And I hope they explore it more. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this story is a gateway into something that they're going to be doing with it. I think all of these mm-hmm. stories, right, whether whether we want them to or not, um, are hinting at things that might have some kind of importance coming up in, sure. in Endwalker, right? Um, you know, the idea of primals and tempering, the idea of Fordola Nugida, um, right? The idea of you know the grand companies, right? I, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot here. And I think, you know, the idea of the world, the, the idea of the world tree being Ingridani is totally messing with like my head cannon because in, in, uh, in 11, you just, you just, I can't words, mm-hmm. man, um, ended up being part of, uh, the secrets of Adeline expansion, which was like that, right. n- the new world essentially. Mm-hmm. So like to be like, Oh no, it was here all along. Be like, Oh, okay. But that would be an interesting, um, yeah. Plot device for, I think that, uh, for that 24 man, I think that could be interesting. Definitely. Um, so. Sorry. Yeah. I had a lot of nerdy feelings about this. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's a, okay. You know, and it's, it's weird because, I want to like Gridania, you know, honestly, that's where I started in 1.0 when I played. I was like, yeah, I like this place. I like I, I like Papalimo. Uh, you know, I like Ida. And I feel like both of them were taken away from me um, in, in different ways. And it just makes me go, tell me about the Twelve and the Twelveswood and, you know, the Elementals and uh, Pajal. And where is all of this information? I just don't think that they got the focus that the other cities got. And it's just sad to me. So I'm glad that they're going this way. And I hope that it does lead towards more revelations in Endwalker, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the age old problem with, with an MMO and and having such a big world is okay. There's when you start out, right. You can put breadcrumbs right everywhere. Like you would think that like you were like in a, you know, Hansel and Gretel story. There's just breadcrumbs all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of those they can follow up on right away. Other ones it might take ten years to get to. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know that's you know and that's assuming if they get to them at all. Um, I mean, right. We know that uh, you know Endwalker as an expansion. Right. The the focus of it is to answer questions. Um, which questions we don't know. We're actually going to be talking about that uh, in the future. What kinds of questions we would love to see answered by Endwalker. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the elementals definitely 
um, kind of a big question mark. And, you know, and I think it's largely something like, uh, you know, in, in terms of narrative, like I've like forgotten all about him, you know, like reading this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, the elementals are a thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with that. There was yeah. one other thing that mm-hmm. I wanted to mention, and this might again be a looser connection. It, it I, I have no idea here. But the emphasis in this story on the idea of purity of heart mm-hmm. or like the idea of honesty and, and you know, like doing these things to earn essentially the elemental's approval in a sense is also something that when I was researching a few other things with this, the Nirvana staff, we have a siren going by, so can we just... Okay. It, look, if, it, the, if it's not dancing with cats, it's sirens. It's always going to be something. It's just the elemental. I'm always causing problems. I'm always causing problems. <laughs> um, I'm trying to make it easy for Zen to edit it out if she needs to in any <laughs> audio versions. Um, so there's this focus on Kanesana's staff in this narrative as well, mm-hmm. um, which in and of itself doesn't have a ton of lore behind it. But one of the other staves that did have a lot of lore um, related to the elementals was actually... The Nirvana staff. Oh my God! There's a second one. <laughs> it is just not your day. This is not my day do, for the do audio. Do they not quality. know that you're trying to podcast? Can, did you I need know, to like on. call up the, the station? So be like, hey guys, can you keep it down? <laughs> Let me take it again. I'm trying, so. to, I'm trying to talk about staves. <laughs> so, um, relating to other staves that have to do with the elementals that might be of note, the Nirvana staff, um, which actually. Uh, there, there used to be, and as far as I can tell, and I need to do more research on this, this is a retcon removed plot. I don't know if this was something from 1.0. I have to do more research on it because it's no longer in the game, but there was this elemental that you actually spoke to in part of the white mage quest line, whose name was Oha Sok, who, uh, during the fifth astral era, uh, because of the uncontrolled abuse of Aether, uh, the wrath of the elementals was essentially summoned to end it. So the rage coalesced and uh, they say reached a crescendo in the form of Ohasok, who is an elemental who decided to eliminate the warring factions via a catastrophic flood, which we know did happen and did destroy both of these, these nations. Ohasok still had hope for humanity, though, and decided to observe them during the sixth astral era and took up residence within the Nirvana staff, mm. which then... Uh, supposedly, you know, sa- they say to you in some of this, like, removed dialogue, you know, if you are pure of heart and if you, you know, re- remain a good person and-, and do these good things, then I will accompany you and help you and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know if this was them reintegrating some of that to some sure. degree, but maybe like reworking it into her staff and or some particular elemental we might touch base with. But I just thought that was very interesting mm-hmm. that there was a whole thing about that um, that ended up yeah. getting removed. You know, I always look up names, right? And the claustrum is a bit of anatomy, actually. It's part of the brain. It's, and, and one of the, I, I wrote it down, so I have to find it again. Uh, one of the proposed functions is basically taking in a bunch of inputs and making them into one. And like that, when I saw that, I was like, that's interesting. You have to really dig into it because it's very, you know, it's anatomy. So it's very medical. But later on, yes, one of the things that they think it does is act as a conductor for inputs to synchronize them together for your brain. And it's like, (sighs) Koji, 
Who That's who did amazing. that? Who That's did so that? fascinating. Like, I mean, if you think of the so elementals cool. as almost like, gosh, impulses in some sort of massive right. brain, and or that being something where if they're like coalesced into the form of something like Ohasak, or if they're channeled through something like that particular staff right. being, that's amazing. Now <laughs> instead of a giant tree I didn't know under the meant. twelves would, I'm thinking of just just giant like rainbow colored brain. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you think about it, tree imagery, the roots, everything, mm -hmm. the branching, yeah. it, it does have some of that. I mean, I've wondered right. if even if the Black Shroud is a point of connection, is there some part of all the worlds that remains connected in some way, shape, or form? Mm -hmm. Is there something going on where, I don't know, like, messages are passed between the Aether and all of them? It, it's, ah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things you could dig into with this one. The story itself is kind of like... Oh, okay, but <laughs> I think there's a lot more that could possibly become relevant. Yeah, it drives some some good questions, you know. Yeah, God, it'd be I'd be I, I wouldn't want to be an elemental though. The idea of of like yeah, I'm gonna go live in this big stick. Yeah, I'm just gonna. This is my home now. This giant yeah. stick. And you have to be there when your owner is just dancing in town for no reason for hours and you're just like what am i doing here is this my life i chose this yes. i don't know why but this is can i leave this stick yeah maybe they're into it who knows maybe they're maybe. like hell yeah best dance i've ever seen in my yeah. entire existence i mean it probably would be very boring to be an elemental honestly most likely what are you what are you doing all day see it's these are the questions we need answered in an walker <laughs> Like, do they, do they talk that, with the seeds here, like, enough? Like, is it yeah. is this one of those things where it's like, call your mother, call your elemental. Let them know you're thinking about them. Like, I mm. <laughs> Justice Demon in chat. Are they just fey on the source that have been calling themselves elementals? Good point. Yeah, these are just the, the pixies of the, of the source. Oh <laughs> and gosh. they are just like, we're elementals, do what we say. And they're just laughing at us. And, and Walker, we doing. start the 24, man, one of them just turns into a pixie. It's like, gotcha. Ha! I think I think that's it for this story. <laughs> yeah, I feel pretty good about that. What are, what are we even talking about anymore? Uh, disclaimer for this next one. There's a lot of Ella's in names. Now, one would think with a name like Aldi, you know, mm. I'd be very good at those. I'm not. However, I did look up all the pronunciations, and I'm going to try. Uh, going to try. We'll see. So, this next one's called An Empty Throne. Uh, it's about uh, Atoiel. Not Artoriel, the I is before the R. So it's Atoiel de Fortin, or as we know him as the eldest brother, right? I'm going to translate these two because a lot of people don't remember their names. <laughs> like, which one was that? Which, which giraffe was that? I forget. So it's about <laughs> the tall Artoiel, one. The, yeah, the tall one. Uh, the eldest son of Edmont, Amric, and the Reformation of Ishgard. So. This one I was all about for various reasons. But, so this is set after the events of Heavensward, and at least the Gimlet Dark, right? Because they talk about it later on. Oh my god, so, I just realized we missed news. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh, what? how how could I have forgotten this piece of news? Well, oh, we what? can put a little nod at the end to well, Edmond's we'll voice actor. Oh, yeah. yes. oh yeah. my god. Well, this that's is that's a great terrible. place to do it after, really? I think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this whole story, the, the timing, they... I don't, they couldn't have planned it. As like, soon as you said Edmont, my brain was just like, oh yes, shit. <laughs> I know. And this one was kind of low-key a tearjerker when you get into the details. So, he, um, he's attending a vote in the Holy Vault's throne room. 
so this is after the Refor Reformation of Ishgard, Amrik, or Amrik, I'm not going to do that, um, has, you know, turned it into kind of a representative government. So they are voting. And, you know, Atwile is kind of sitting there going, wow, that's crazy. I never thought this was going to be this. So he kind of remembers back to the ascension of Thornton the Seventh. Thornton that we kind of kicked their ass. But anyway, 17 years ago in that same room. So it's kind of a frame story. So he casts his mind back to being 13 years old with his father um, and his youngest brother, Emmeline, who we know of, right? He's, he's in the house. We've seen him do things. He's, uh, he, he's trying to do good. He's just a little, you know, young. Um, but they're there attending as they should. They're Iscardian nobility. Everybody has to attend this ascension. So in the story, he kind of thinks about the absence of his older brother, Harshfant, or his other brother, he's slightly younger, sorry, uh, Harshfant, who was left out. And he mentions in the story that it was soon after, like just before this ascension, he must have asked his father, Edmont, why Harshfant can't go. And he says that his father told him that it's because Harshfant does not have the Fortan name, right? And they don't get into details, but... From the way that he tells the story, he's like, I wish he was here, but no one else seemed to be bothered by it. And it's just kind of this, like, ah, oh, okay. Remember right? how she you know, <laughs> Yeah. Just, ah, oh, he wasn't allowed. So, you know, the, the ascension starts. Thornton uh, completes the ceremony by asking Pallone, Pallone, however you want to say it. We're going to actually get the right pronunciation soon. Anyway, Pallone. to bring blessings to all men, right? So Atwael is watching this, and he remembers feeling that duty, that, that pride in Ishgard at the time, right? So as the ceremony ends, uh, you know, the doors are open to the public, and they say, lesser peerage is allowed in. Yeah, exactly. So the commoners are allowed in to kind of see the aftermath, to kind of mingle a little bit. Um, so Atwael is looking around, and he's noticing that House Durandar and Zamel are just leaving, they don't care anymore. They're like, ah, we did our, we're, we're here for what we needed to be. All right, now we're out. And he, he mentions, you know, kind of their family crest having red in it compared to his having black and how their families are much more go out and get it. Uh, but also he muses about the intrigue that they could be planning. So it's kind of this Game of Thrones-esque insight to the, the dealings of Ishgardian nobility, which is great. Um, his own house and the house of Alenart... Yes, there is the H is at the beginning, it's silent, and there's no second H. Everybody calls it Hallenhart. It's Allenhart. Um, they are much more social. Those houses are much more social. They, they mingle, they talk about things. They kind of are the internally-minded Ishgardian houses. Um, so he sees his father go off and greet other members of the nobility, including Barinduin, uh, <laughs> the leader of House Allenhart. Um, so I think we see him a little bit. But, you know, he's just the scion of House Alenart. So as that happens, Emmeline, the younger brother of uh, House uh, Fortan, goes over to visit, and this name, this name, you guys, Clodebant? <laughs> There's literally, I ba looked it up, Bains? I cannot find. Bamed? Yeah. Yeah. Clodebant? <laughs> Claude de Balm would be my guess. <laughs> There's no pronunciation help for this one. The internet is like, that doesn't exist. You're dumb. Uh, Claude de Balm so. by Kel Calvin Klein. Claude de but 
I'm maybe I would wait. <laughs> and you look at that name and you're like, <laughs> if you're like me, you're like, I know that name. Do you know who this person is? He oh, is. Isn't he uh, one of the what are the knights? Yeah, he's one of the knights. He died at the steel vigil. So uh... he's there with his sister, Laniath, who is the redheaded Elizin in the Sea of Clouds, the leader there. That's his sister. And there's a quest to kind of respect him. And this is them interacting. Emmeline and uh, Clota Bumped and Laniat are kind of the younger children. And they, they love hanging out with each other. And it also says that Clota Bump has a very good way with, with younger children. I mean, with and, a name like that. Yeah, of course. And also, you know, in the story, they say that he has a way with his, uh, um, you know, the people that he is superior to. Right, because he eventually becomes a knight. He leads Steel Vigil, and they are murdered by the dragons. Not quite murdered, right? That's what we hear at first. But and then they also mention that Francel, our our a little baby Francel, who you may or may not remember, uh, <laughs> is too young to attend. So Francel Alenard is the one who does the Ishgard restoration quests. So he's who you're talking to there. So it's just kind of this what they were doing before. Uh, you know, long ago, which I love this part of it. So, meanwhile, he's like, okay, I don't want to talk to them. Atwell is like, oh, I'll go speak to Stephanavian and Orville. Stephanavian, of course, Fusion, do you know who he is? Yeah, he's a a machinist man. Yes, machinist man. Right? So, he is the machinist trainer, and he's there with his sister, Arvel. I I hate that one. That one's really hard. Uh, Actually, his brother, now, that is the person who gives us all the diadem quests. So, like, all of these little connections, right? Um, but he goes to talk to them, and they're like, no, nah, we want to leave, dude. Like, we want to do other things. Stephanavian is like, I got some stuff to tinker with, literally, in the story. And Arvael is like, I just don't want to be here. So they leave. They get permission from their father, and they just leave. So he's left alone. And he's kind of like, well, I have to talk to people, so... All right, let me let me go find someone to talk to. So he noticed a dark-haired boy, a little older than himself, literally glaring at the throne, just seething. So he goes over and starts a conversation, which is a very frosty start to this conversation. As this child, close to his age, just does not seem to truly believe in Ishgard and Thordin, and he's trying to figure it out why. And you know, this other child says, "Well, you probably know." that I'm illegitimate. And Artois is like, what are you talking about? Like, what? And so this child is like, okay, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have been that way. Hi, my name is Americk. And that's when you, that's when they meet each other. So they start talking a little bit, you know, kind of an introduction. And as Americk asks about the coronation, because he was not allowed to attend, because he is common, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he asks, how was it? And Atroyal remembers just being effusive, effusive about it. He's like, yeah, it was great. You know, like, it was, you know, I, I felt this. And then Amrick says, do you really think that he could bless all men? Like, what if you really think he has the power to do that? And as they're talking, they're interrupted by a younger blonde child who says, oh, yes, you know, he's an amazing man. He came and spoke at the, the school and he, he's going to do it, right? He is going to take Ishgard to the future. And, you know, they're like, who is this little blonde kid that's just here? And then he's called away. Um, as someone says, ah, there's the lad of Valhardin. Some sort of, you know, knight somewhere. 
Now, Valhordeen is the last name of Zephyrin, the knight who killed Harshafon. <laughs> this child <laughs> kills Atrael's brother in the future. Like, and it just, this little, uh, what? Are you kidding me? That's amazing, right? I, I just, when I, when I saw that, I was like, you little bastard. You should have strangled him then. Anyway. If you had the power to go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you? <laughs> baby Zephyrin. That was yeah. the entire premise of this story. Right. Well, and, you know, but, but I think it's also yes. important to put this within context of some yes. of the things we've learned recently. Which was this from the one of the most recent lore interviews, the discussion about the knights being tempered. Yes, which right. Yeah. I think is fascinating, mm -hmm. right? You're seeing here a glimpse of faith. How yeah. faith and ideals, these things that were built up and perpetuated to the people, this false image of what made them special, what separated them from other right. people, what their future would be, what, you know, there's all these things in Ishgard that are very complex, you know, socioeconomic uh, yeah. hierarchies and, and religious discussions and all kinds mm -hmm. of things, right? So this idea that there was this very enigmatic figure who brought them all together, this archbishop, yes. right, who gave them this vision of the future, and then who specifically used that to turn their faith into a mm -hmm. shackle, who, when he got these, you know, knights under his service, he tempered to some extent. Yeah. And, you know, like some who were far more, they were more problematic. We know that he probably had a heavier hand with it, seems like now. But the idea that they were all twisted i think even yeah. from who they originally were right yeah it's like oh the little parallels are so good because and like everybody's so hopeful and yeah. yet and yet it's used against them exactly it's just, mm. you know and it, one of the things in the future that will happen is that zephyrin will try and become the leader of the templar knights and he will be stymied by none other than Amerik, who does get the job and then zephyrin goes to become the leader of the Heavensward, right? So it's like, uh, okay. You can just see all these paths crossing in this little... Mm -hmm. And of course, it's after the fact, but this makes sense. This this story compared to the Fordola Eda story, yeah, it probably was added at the end, but this makes perfect sense in fiction, too. And it makes sense that they wouldn't even mention it. It's just whatever, right? Like, that's yeah, just the coronation. Is, they went to a bunch of This is one of these them. things that is like totally believable like yeah all yeah. right like i can see this is a thing yeah. happening yeah um you know uh atwile and amrick kind of start to say their goodbyes and amrick says you know goodbye to uh you know lord fortan and atwile re realizes that he he hadn't introduced himself at all but amrick already knew who it was and of course he didn't know uh in the opposite because amrick's a, a commoner right but that's where he's interrupted, because Amrick in the present greets Atwael in the present, in the throne room. So they reminisce about that meeting and all that they have learned since. And they also mention that during uh, the, the kind of preparation for Gimlet, um, for the Gimlet Dark, they talk about this together, right? Because Amrick's taking part in that battle, so is Atwael. So they talk about the history during that. So that's where Amrick fills him in about, okay, this is what happened. This is what Thornton lied about. This is exactly what we were fooled by. And in this story, you know, Atwile is, is just mad at himself. He's, he's like, I was fooled. I'm thinking back to the story that I just told, you know, that I just thought about and remembering how much zeal I had, how much I believed it. 
like, it, it was all lies. And Amrick says, you know, we can't forget those lies and those sins, right? We cannot. But we have to move forward. And he ends that conversation with this message. So let us forget neither the past nor the pain. Let us acknowledge whence we came and whence we now stand set forth anew. And here's where, you know, we were talking about the, the setting sun kind of imagery. They both yeah. watch the setting sun cast shadows upon the throne in silence is the way that this ends. So they kind of think back, they think about the lies and they think about where they are and what they have to do. They just kind of stand there in silence, staring at the throne, like, what? What do we do? And it's just, this story was so great. And I know it's been a little while since Heaven's Word, like I said, can definitely remember, uh, uh, forget all of these characters, right? Because their names are kind of difficult. Yeah. But this was just such a, I didn't know I wanted this story, right? At all. It pairs really well, too, with the Dark Knight quests. Yes. There's that bit in the Dark Knight quests where you go to, oh, is it the grieving sister of one of the, one of the, mm-hmm. the ward members? You know, who I'm, I, I don't remember who oh, it is specifically. Yeah. I can't remember either. Um, who is but mourning, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, who's mourning his loss and that you, like, evoke him and, you know, she talks about the fact that although now, I guess, they're cast as villains, they were once heroes, you know? Right. They were once um, the holy arm of of the religion of Ishgard. And it's it's so neat, too, because although there's so many different characters in this, seeing how all of those different characters, right, have their own vision of mm-hmm. the future or have worked to realize it since or have been lost since, and how these different figures... Uh, the idea that, like, you know, if Emmerich had been made the the yeah. you know lead in place of uh the Zephyrin, other character yeah. in, in place of Zephyrin and whether or not his father spared him that because yeah. you know, he's like I'll give you recognition somewhere else because you're technically my illegitimate child right. but I'll spare you from what I have in store for the heaven sword mm-hmm. and it's just there's so many layers to right. the politics of Ishgard and the people within it. And mm-hmm. yet, to get this story that kind of brings them all together and continues to tell this narrative of how they are evolving and changing, while right. I think also assuming responsibility for the things that were done that caused true harm. Yeah. This is the this is the grit that I wanted from the Fordola one. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I think, too, that one of the, the, the other kind of layers to this is when, when Zephyrin comes in and interrupts them. Yeah. Um, because, you know, obviously being part of the Heaven's Word, being one of the Tempered Knights, it's that idea of willingly tempered. Yeah. Right? I think right. That, that you don't necessarily always see. It's, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, it's Leviathan. And he, like, had a wave off, and then we're yeah, all doing it. He did a wave and now we're tempered and my daughter has to kill me. Whereas yeah. here with, like, Zephyr is like, oh, no, this dude's great. Like, I'm going yeah. to go work for him. Right? It's the, it's the complete opposite it's that willingness, that wanting yeah. to be part of whatever you and, know, Thornton is going to do. And, you know, I know we have not really had any confirmation of this. And maybe we'll get more into tempering with Endwalker as we should, because oh, uh, yeah. some weird stuff's going on. But it's it's like, as we understand tempering, and I won't get into it too much, because, of course, more spoilers. But would that make it easier to keep your own mind while being tempered, you think, right? Because you're already more yeah. aligned with this entity, and usually they have to wipe away a lot. But you don't have to wipe away as much. Is that why they had their own will? 
or I can see that. such a strong will. You know, it's one of those. Yeah. Heightens their fervent devotion in right. a sense. It takes it to heights that it otherwise, you know, maybe wouldn't have evolved yeah. to, but that started from them in their own seat exactly. of belief. Right. Because we think about Tiamat, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I immediately what I thought of. Yeah. You know? And it's just very interesting. I love that. I also love that Ishgard stands as a, I don't know, a really fantastic illustration of tempering not always being something that has to be a magical evil in the world, if mm-hmm. we say that, you know, that there there are other ways that yeah. people can be misled, misdirected, yeah. misinformed, and that in the world, you know, although in Final Fantasy, we have this conception of tempering, stripping of you of your own free will, mm-hmm. right? That there's also the choice to turn a blind eye to things. There's mm-hmm. a choice to believe things in a blind way. Even those little details, the parallels. It's so, I love the little parallel between Horshafant and the fact that he doesn't have a family name, so he's not allowed there. Yep. And Emmerich, who yes. is not allowed there because he is not technically legitimate either and is mm-hmm. a commoner. And like these, these things that you see where even the main character that this story yeah. is told from the perspective yeah. of where he says, I knew something was weird about this and I knew something was wrong about it, but he's not here. And it's, I, that's fine. That's just how it is. You yeah, know, like, and that little line that he says about oh, once I would have told you nothing yes. while he's looking at Emmerich and he, he's thinking about what Emmerich has asked him. And this line, once I would have told you nothing, once mm-hmm. my own prejudices, my own persecution would have made me sit here and look down on you. And now you are the most powerful man in Ishgard. Yep. Mm, that's juicy stuff. That's yeah. good. You know, it's just, it, it has this great, I like that they're not shying away from the complexity of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's something, even in the Ishgardian restoration quest, I was so impressed right. by that line that you, that like thread of story that you do where, oh, uppity man, it doesn't want to help and has oh, to confront yeah how rude he is and awful and prejudiced <laughs> towards the poor yeah. he is. Like, yeah. yeah, I thought that was, that really resonated with me, you know, especially because at that time we were dealing with some Black Lives Matter, like Black Lives Matter is still happening, right? right? But there was this huge thing. And then to see in game this message that was like, I was wrong. I had a lot of prejudices. I was yeah. like, whoa, Final Fantasy, <laughs> keep it up. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, you know, um, I think I Ishgard definitely. is great for that. Yeah, I would definitely recommend, you know, this is the last one, but definitely recommend reading them because there's a lot of stuff we're skipping over, a lot of little phrases, you know, once I would have told you nothing and things like that. There's a lot of these in yeah. here. Like, this, this is great cliff notes, you know, um, but man, the, the writing is so great. So, so good. Even in the Fordola one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, you the know, writing is good in that one. It's yeah. funny, ever, ever since we talked about the idea of being like willfully tempered like my brain all my brain can think about is like some dude with like a little like leviathan like foam finger like leviathan number one and then like getting hit with a wave and then just like maybe like holding it a little higher like yeah like, how does that work i'm really curious right. now you know yeah. and paired with i think these last two pair so well together as well true of heart and an empty throne yeah. mm. because that final message in true of heart being you know, sometimes we have to strip down to the truth. We have to be vulnerable. We have to 
expose the things that we need to expose. We need to share the things that we're struggling with. We need to confront the failings in ourselves or in others. Mm -hmm. And to see, you know, obviously it's a very complex thing in Ishgard as well. It's not just as simple as with Kane Sena where she's like, sorry, I couldn't hear anybody and I was lying about it. Because I felt like yeah. I couldn't tell anyone because there's a lot of pressure on me right now. We yeah. all, we all <laughs> have a, also... a family plan. I didn't want you to know I used up all our rollover <laughs> minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. And it's like, that's a totally valid thing as well. Ishgard is so much more complex because here we have a culture and history that, again, has right. built up all sorts of lies and misinformation and all kinds of things and isolation. And so there's a lot of stuff there. But as always, Final Fantasy XIV, I think, ultimately delivers a hopeful message. And right. this message of... Yeah. Confronting the difficult things, be it a literal monster or mm -hmm. the monsters that we perpetrate in our own world, society, conflicts. I just, this is why Final Fantasy is special. So I've, yeah. Especially Final Fantasy XIV, so special. And these stories do a great job of highlighting some of the, I think, big confrontations of that. And hopefully mm -hmm. stuff that will be even more resolved in Endwalker. Yeah. But, you know, this story, and it's a good segue into the news that we that we missed. Yeah. Like, it's the last story. And, yeah. it you know, it's all about Ishgard, and Edmont makes an appearance, you know? And it's just, you know, he's not the main character. And he's not even, I don't even, he doesn't have very many speaking roles, even in the story, if I cast my mind back to it. But just him being there and being the scion, doing what he's supposed to do. Like, he's going to, you know, for lack of a better term, network with the other nobles, yeah. right? And we, you know, I'll, I'll let you take over from there, Fusion. Yeah, so uh, this past week, um, it actually happened uh, September 19th, uh, Stephen yeah. Critchlow, who was the voice of Edmond uh, de Fortome in Heaven's Word, uh, passed away. Um, mm -hmm. So as uh, the community does, uh, there was, uh, on lots of different servers, lots of people oh, yeah. standing outside of the mansion, uh, with their little, uh, their little uh, fire, uh, yeah, campfire, fire, whatever, camp, campfire. That's the word. I'll, yeah, like fire, fireplace, fireplace. That's not right. What's the not campfire? pile of hand warmers? Yeah, yeah, not pile of hand warmers. Um, yeah, standing outside the uh, the Fortum uh, Manor in uh, in the pillars there. So, uh, yeah, it's you know, it's I I have seen you know a lot of people have come into the game, um, and you know. When I'm working from home, I just kind of bounce through streams and see what people are doing. And I've seen so many people get to, you know, the vault. And I'm not going to go into it, uh, right? But the moment afterwards, I've seen more people break to the scene in the manor than the actual scene in which the mm. action takes place. More people break at that point due to that voice acting, that... Uh, cinematography than anywhere else I think and it's just yeah, you know it, it's 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 a testament honestly I think that's the greatest dedication you can have to oneself like that emotion just being able to impart that into others it's just amazing honestly yeah, yeah an incredible talent and I mean obviously whether you found him through Final Fantasy or elsewhere mm -hmm. I mean that loss is going to be felt in the world and it's I mean, it's funny because when it comes to things like this, I'm, I'm almost glad that there's some part that's memorialized and will live on, right? right? Mm -hmm. Those lines, that English version, if you yeah. listen to it, it's going to always be there as, a, as this testament, you know, to his skill. And it's so memorable. It's so memorable. It's so iconic. Yes. I mean, like, that performance and the way they wrote it and 
how he executed it set the precedent for much of the other like and here's a narrator for this expansion right. because it just worked so well last time <laughs> that they close it out and this whole time like it's he's he's this narrator and then it's like oh he's writing it all in a journal that's cool and he closes it and it's heaven's word and you're just like oh yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. good yeah oh. um so yeah i don't there's no easy way to segue out of yeah that. no not at all um but i think that is it uh, yeah for everything that we wanted to get through for today um so that's gonna do it for us for this week um uh, if you want you could find me Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, everything. Uh, Ralph Wilderg, Aldino, where can they find you? On the internet. In one place. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Still working on that OnlyFans. We'll figure out what we're going to put on it. Um, I just really want Fusion to have to put my OnlyFans onto the uh, the slide here. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But yeah, I am Aldino on Twitch. And here, of course. And Rook, where can they find you? Yes, you can find me at Bird of Chess everywhere, although I am having a rebrand soon, so the name will be changing, so don't panic, don't freak out, oh. uh, and I'll update everybody, yes. Bird of, bird um, of Checkers. <laughs> my, yes, my, Bird of Checkers Yes, uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be shifting, so uh, don't be too confused if things change. Uh, and I'll also be doing media tour coverage on my own outlets as well. So if you're curious about that, you can get twice as much. <laughs> There's gonna be so much stuff to talk stuff. about. Mm -hmm. um, if you want, you can email us radio at GamerEscape.com If you have any comments or questions about the show, you can also tweet at us at Radio, and of course you can find us at GamerEscape on all the things uh, Twitter, Twitch, obviously uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Discord Discord.gd slash GamerEscape We've got an Aetherite Radio channel on there, we've got a 14 channel uh, Come and uh, chat with us about all the things um, Again, reminder uh, media tour embargo is going to be October 13th. We are going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, so please look forward to it. Um, you know, and it's not just us, uh, you know, lots of other, uh, influencers, lots of other media outlets will be in attendance as well. So there's going to be a lot of stuff to digest. So, uh, please look forward to it. Um, that out of the way uh we will see you here next time bye until then bye